a word to the wise. We are an explicit podcast tackling content with adult themes, as well as entering spoiler territory if you haven't caught up with us. Hey, I'm not Cross, and I'm not PJ. I am the entity known as Zeph, and I'm here to tell you why Lysander is actually a really good character. This is Cross. And I'm PJ. And we are Words and Whiskey, a podcast for veteran and novice readers like. We tackle fiction novels and love to talk about what we're drinking. You should think of us as your intoxicating weekly book club. I think I'll have to be drunk in order to <laughs> hear Zeph out on this one. You gotta, I mean, you gotta do it with my ass. You gotta do it with me. Oh... <laughs> Man, so today is another wrap-up episode on Dark Age. This week, of course, we're chatting with Logan Sandoval, also known as the chef and barbecue master behind Zeph Hawaiian. Yeah, man, very excited. I'm happy to be here, you guys. I feel like this is like a long time coming. I know we've talked a lot on Instagram. I know I've seen you guys like dip, dip in and out of Reddit and stuff. I'm just I'm excited to talk about Red Rising as I always am and. Not that I consider myself like a super, super fan, but I consider myself like a super fan. So I'm here I, I mean, I'd say so. Yeah. You're, you mailed us beer very early on in the whole podcasting process, which was yeah, fucking guess, sick as and, hell. And you know what? PJ fucking up, man, because I never got beer from PJ. No, you did get beer yeah, from did. PJ. I fucked up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. That's man. good, though. <laughs> PJ, I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step back right now. And I'm going to tell you, I am sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Was really I was going to say, you didn't get my package? No, I'll, I, I I'll send another package. one. Man, I am oh, so God. sorry. Can I, no, can I take like 10? Can I, can I take a second? <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad about that. Especially no, after talking about oh, no. how much fucking PJ's voice is sultry and sexy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Damn, yeah. I really fucked that one up. <laughs> so no, so I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Um, where did you hear about us first? Like, where did we enter your lexicon your you life guys are re- you guys are red rising yeah both yeah well i mean yeah both why not oh um i mean red rising came into play very it was right after my daughter was born we were living in louisville kentucky um mm-hmm. i used to work hella hours i mean i still work hella hours but like i used to work hella hours and i would ch- i would chew through books i would i would like eat through books it was before i really got into like audible it was really before i got into um like a lot more of like Instagram game and a lot more of that shit that just like literally just like chews up our times as human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would get home from work. And when I worked in Kentucky, it was a very stressful job. It was a little, it was a little overwhelming. I was very young for the position I had. And so I'd get home and I would make myself a cocktail and I'd chain smoke maybe like six cigarettes and I would just piss through books. That year that I started reading them in 2015, I think I read a total of 62 books I, I I feel like I really understood at my core um, and the language and the story that Pierce Brown was trying to communicate to people like me and you guys and anyone else on the face of the planet really resonated with me kind of across the board. So I feel like everyone can kind of um, identify with Darrow. Definitely a lot of people, especially me, can identify with Lysander and we'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> I identify. <laughs> I We'll get there. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I just I just really <laughs> dived into it. I was a big like when I was younger, I was a big fan of the Star Wars um, extended universe. I was a big fan of Harry Potter. I Me too. I've, of, I've read every EU book, man. I know them all. I literally read all of Dune from the time I was like nine to the time I was like 15. Um, I read all of uh, what else is what else is like Lord of the Rings. I, I just I really, really got into not just space operas, but just really big, expansive stories like stuff that could like transverse you and take you away and i had the fortunate i i was fortunate enough to to get into these books with no um like no like not i hate to sound like the kids but like no cap like i i jumped into the books because i it was recommended to me by another book i just got done reading some bullshit zombie story and another story and then the story and all of a sudden like popped up like oh red rising and like the cover of red rising is super dope and i jump into it and i mean I know the first half of that book is really hard to get into, but once you get past that half of the book, I mean, when you're in the Institute, you, in it, it really grabs you by the ball. Like it really, like it just, it just like, <laughs> it gets in there, you know? And then mm-hmm. 2015, I think almost all the books were out ex- or the two books were out and Morningstar was not out yet. But by the time I had finished Golden Sun, it was out. And mind you too, I wasn't reading the books. I wasn't on a Kindle. I wasn't like, I was hella poor. And I was like, I lived in a really shitty part of Louisville. And so I used to read on my phone off the Kindle app. And so the books were $3.99 at the time. And I was sit on my back porch and get eaten by, alive by like mosquitoes. And just like hearing about Dara's story and how he's fighting for something more. And someone like EO, it really talked to someone like me who was one, a hard worker, one who was dedicated and two, who was like n- newly becoming a father. Mm-hmm. does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah Absolutely. it definitely does i mean you guys don't have to put this in the podcast but legit like if you guys don't fucking cut me off i will i will leave <laughs> shit for fucking hours man <clears throat> no no f- fucking we're here for it. <laughs> <laughs> we we love it man and that's i mean that's that's a fantastic story um you Did know i'm in? i'm go ahead what do, do you want me to jump into how i found out about you guys yeah yeah fire away and then I found you guys last year as we were developing like our barbecue company and as we were developing like our restaurant concept and stuff. And it was just one of those things where like I was already so obsessed with Red Rising that I'd already burned through so many other like the other podcasts. And I was just like grabbing and looking and you guys came up somehow. I think I found you through Instagram or I found you through the homies Hallerpod or I found you through... Um, Mm, homeboy uh, oh thomas yeah yeah yeah. I, I, yeah so i so i found you guys through like listening to other podcasts like howler pod and like listening to high key obsessed which like you guys did great on and it really like i really 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 deeply fell in love with not just like your guys insight but like pj's voice <laughs> <laughs> and that's what yeah. really that's what really kept me around was was pj's voice you know, it's what's super funny is we we get that actually. I get that a shocking amount. Um, we I have a good friend who listened who jumped into the podcast having not read the books, um, and listened through like the first book worth of content and was following along because she because I mean we do a good enough job summarizing it and she was like, well, I'm in this for my friend. She's since picked up the books and read it. I'm sure she'll hear this at some point, yeah. so she'll be recounting. But we were talking about it when I was back in Minnesota and she was like, yeah, um, you know. Your co-host PJ, he's got a really good voice. I was like, Man, Fuck you. I'll tell you what, if I wasn't married and had a kid, I mean PJ, I'd be coming out to where do you live? Dead Center, Minnesota. 
Bumfuck Nowhere. I'd be coming out to Bumfuck Nowhere very, very soon <laughs> to visit you and that sultry voice. Like, like I said, dude, I will talk about <laughs> yeah. fucking snow for no. <laughs> no, no worries. So before we go too much further, let's let's talk about what we're drinking. So uh, we'll start off with you. What are you having, Logan? I am getting down on what I like to call the meat straw. It's little. <laughs> it's literally just Jim Beam and Coca Cola. All right, nice. There nice. you go. I just I just named it for PJ because I know he was shook. He was shook it, <laughs> and, and I felt he that was... in my soul. I felt that in my soul. He was he was shook for sure. You you can't mm-hmm. you, you haven't heard this yet because it doesn't come out until tomorrow. But uh, the episode that we did with Pierre Ford, I was like, ah, for the Zeph episode, I'm going to make a meat straw. And so I spent a good part of the last hour and a half with bacon wrapping it around a, uh, a like metal metal straw and everything like that, and would, like tried really hard and fucked it up like two different times. I was like, I don't have time. I'm out of beer. I need to go get beer. And I was like, Dude, fuck I, it. I'm I just sh- making gin and tonic. I shit you not when I listened to that episode like two weeks ago when PJ was like, yeah, if he just sends me a meat straw, like I've already, I've already sent you guys shit. So I was like, I have his address. <laughs> like I just got to fucking dial it in. But too much other shit came up. And I was literally, I was literally going to fucking, um, cause like we send barbecue across the country, like low key mm-hmm. right now. I was literally going to roll a fucking like a PVC pipe <laughs> of like ground meat. And I was going to fucking blast chill it. So it was like hard as a rock. And I was going to fucking oh, pack man. it and send it to your dumb ass. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been hilarious because i initially what would have been even funnier is i moved since then so it would have gone to somebody else's house oh, <laughs> they would have just had a meat meat show up they would have oh, just rotting meat in their in their front yard i will tell you what though it was it's really nice meat it's it's prime brisket trim that i grind down myself <laughs> a little bit of water very, in there it's very, very it's, tasty it's very, but that was gonna be like the ploy. I was just like, hey, like you can actually use this for like a really nice burger. <laughs> oh man, that's that's crazy. <laughs> that'd, that'd be awesome. That would have been hilarious. I'm drinking the meat straw, which is literally just like Jim Beam and Coca Cola. It's probably like a nine to one ratio out of ten of Jim Beam to Coca Cola. Because I know you guys roll. It's more of a splash. <laughs> it's a, a, a kiss. Coca Cola for color. Yes, <laughs> all the color. <laughs> and then I'm gonna back that up with a Taiwanese beer. Called Sweet Touch Lychee. Ooh, nice! It is two point five percent alcohol. Wonderful. Because mm. I got shit to do tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. I mean, there fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what What's the Sweet Touch Lychee taste like? Like, what's a kind of rundown? Uh, lychee. No, well, I mean, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, Fuck. no. So Good point. I, I buy these beers out of a Nine Nine Ranch, which is an Asian market here in Los Angeles. And they mm-hmm. have these great beers where you're kind of just like cruising. Because, like, dude, when we do barbecue, it's hot as fuck. We're in the pits. Like, y- your face is full of smoke. Like, it's hard to, like, push down a lot of beer. And a lot of people bring us beer for tips, which is, it sounds like a great thing. But, like, probably early September, mid-September, like, I started drinking the beers that I love. And I was like, dude, this is fucking nasty. I was like, I'm done. I was like, dude, because we've literally just been drinking, like, wild beers since February. Of like just like and I'm just like dude this is I was like this is too much like this is too much like when I sent you guys your shit I was mm-hmm. like yeah like I have three beer fridges just in my house to keep all this fucking beer yeah yeah mm-hmm. and you sent us the good shit you sent us Anagran and other like localish man no yeah. bullshit though like dude Anagran the guy that one of the owners um John John Bird he's he's the homie we're gonna do a breakfast there in a couple weeks but we did a private dinner um with him probably like six six weeks ago probably like two months ago 
Um, and it was just, it was fantastic. Like just like working with him and talking about beer and talking about like flavors and stuff. I mean, it's the new fucking wine, you know. Mm. One of my dreams is to open up a brewery that has like a back room tasting area with like one table. It's a t- it, like like a high end winery that has like the private tasting area. I want to do like a private tasting area for beer with like really high end, super crazy barrel aged, just really, really intensive stuff with uh, myself probably as the brewer, like talking everybody through the tasting process. I think it'd be so much fun, but just a very high class brewery would be such a fun thing to tackle. PJ, what are you drinking? I have an elderflower old fashioned. So it is two and a half ounces of bourbon. And I actually got a new bourbon, uh, Rowan's Creek distilled by Willet. Uh, really, really nice. I like it. But So you're just drinking bourbon? No, two and a half ounces of bourbon, no. um, half an ounce of St. Germain elderflower liqueur. Oh, right. Yep. Three dashes of Angostura bitters. And then a lemon peel to garnish. Nice. Were so, you chasing that? Following with? that up with Double Universe from Fair State Hazy IPA. Sweet, sweet. I am having a classic uh, for me, mostly because of, as mentioned, the failure of the meat straw. Um, I bought stuff <laughs> so that I could do a Bloody Mary, and then. Um, yeah, failed the meat straw. So instead, I made a classic, um, just gin and tonic for me, uh, elderflower gin. You know the the normal shit. So um, that's what We're I'm repping the there. elderflower tonight, huh? Yeah, we are. You know, collectively, that's a <coughs> and a fun little thing. And lychee, and lychee, true. true. Um, and then uh, Sycamore Brewing Company, uh, double candy, double IPA. So it's uh, that's what we've got kind of going on in the lead here, and it is delicious. I think I've had the double candy on this show before, but it's just a great solid local beer. Mm-hmm. So, all right, all right, all right. So now we got to get into the meat of this thing, right? Like we gotta, we gotta give the this a little bit of, of gusto. Thing. The meat straw <laughs> the, of this thing. The meat straw of this thing. So, Logan, for months and months and months, you you mentioned to me months and months and months ago. You mentioned to me that you wanted to talk about Lysander on her show and kind of give him give him his due. Um, so. I think it's I think it's about that about that time on the on the wristwatch here to uh, to hear we I mean now PJ's come out on the other side of the book series has a different appreciation for Lysander you can kind of see it fade over the last couple of episodes <laughs> yeah man <laughs> dude when, when y'all are talking about like how like Lysander used to be like the boy I was like mm, our dude, boy not, yeah <laughs> you're not gonna be happy in like another like two hundred pages <laughs> yeah. That was probably one of the like worst meta pranks that I played on PJ was building out Cassius and Lysander as our boys <laughs> over the course of Iron Gold. And Dark but you Age. did fan fucking tastic. <laughs> I was it there was, for it. It was it was pretty fucking funny. Um, we definitely got a kick out of it. But yeah, so yeah, let's let's talk about Lysander. Um, you know, kick kick it off. I want to lead in with now now that PJ's finished like the series and, and has finished like the saga. I know it's a long road up and I know it's a long road, especially for you because you had never like, you didn't read like a lot of stuff before. And like, you weren't like, you don't have experiences that were built out of like, you know, like reading like Lord of the Rings or like reading like Dune or like reading like those kind of things. So when Pierce kind of like built these characters, especially in the beginning, when Lysander was this like 10 year old kid in the dragon's maw, just like basically like waiting to be killed. Like what were your thoughts of like, where did you think, 
his character was going to kind of lead to. Do you, do you think he was just going to like disappear off the face of the earth or? So weirdly, this ties into <clears throat> the only spoiler I ever saw God, about God Red Rising. Strangely. So, so hear me out. It was the, the tiniest of spoilers, but I jumped onto the Red Rising subreddit and saw a, <laughs> saw, violent. I don't it even remember what the post was about. I will tell you. I, I mean, I just saw the po- like the title of a post, and it mentioned Lysander. All right, so he's still alive. And then I exited out of the subreddit and unsubscribed from it. I'm like, I'm never touching that again. Because that was like the limit of what I could take as far as spoilers went. So I already knew that he was a character later on in the story somehow. To a degree enough that he had a post on the subreddit. I'm pretty high up. So, That's real shit. Um, yeah, it was kind of dumb. But I knew he still existed from that. So um, I guess first meeting him, I figured there'd be after he was saved, I figured or after he was not killed, murdered. <laughs> yeah, right. saved, saved is maybe the wrong term to put on it. But Executed after he wasn't like his killed, grandmother in front of him. Yeah, I figured he'd have some sort of arc in the story, knowing that his family was murdered at the hand of the person that saved him. Probably wasn't going to be a strictly, like, positive arc. I don't know. I, I figured he'd come back later on. Did you think he he would come back in such, like, a fashion? Because you, you got to think, like, dude, those last couple, like, those last couple chapters in Dark Age are, one, some of my favorite. And listening to you talk about... You've sadist. <laughs> I, dude, you got to also remember, too, like, I wrote... They're so well written, Exactly, though. and I... I literally read in the book the entire Dark Age book sitting on the, the the train every morning and every night in Chicago. And this was before the pandemic. This was before everything else. Like, I know there was people that were looking at me on the train being like, he just found out like a, like a, like a sister died. Like, he, he, he just found out like a family member is in an insane asylum. Because dude, those chapters are so dense and they're so thick. And... I want to know, like, how do you compare Lysander from, like, Iron Gold to Lysander, Lysander in Dark Age? He is both, completely both different. Yeah. Completely different. But you guys um, think it's, like, in, in the negative way, right? I think, I don't know about strictly negative, but mostly, yes. I think he he switched from being a very altruistic and all-encompassing sort of trying to understand the place of the colors and what what the best route is for making the entire society run smoothly and nobly, I guess. I, I don't know the right way to describe it. but So the reason why I'm asking these questions and the reason why I'm talking like both of you about this is like I'm, I'm trying to set up like a pitfall, right? You're because leading. Deep, You're leading. Deep, deep down, deep, deep down, you know that not Lysander is perfect or Lysander is, you know, the, the pilgrim or the, the shepherd or whatever they want to call him. I know deep down in my heart that like Lysander is still kind of like a piece of shit. I'm, I'm waiting for him to redeem himself in the last book because him and Daryl are going to get up and they're going to have like a crusade. It's going to be like Rick and Morty. They're going to be fucking homies and they're going to like fly across <laughs> the universe and like kill people. And like, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. But not everyone's, if, not if that happens, not everyone <laughs> follows, lose it, but not everyone follows my sentiments, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But you got to think, and it's the same thing I'll say about Roke. And I know there's a lot of Roke haters out there 
the Minnesota Rook haters out there. But, you know, when you're built that way and you're tuned to that kind of like like drum and and guitar, like those are the type of things that you end up chasing. You Mm -hmm. are your own hero of your story, right? That's what everyone thinks. You look at any character in any, whether it's a video game, whether it's a card game, whether it's a movie person fuck yeah you know and i am the the hero of of the barbecue (laughs) empire bro like i am the hero of my own fucking story yeah that's what i'm saying so when you look at a broader spectrum i don't support what lysander and that clan of cronies like really represent but they get where it needs to go because darrow mustang the vox populate like they're not done a lot of good things over the course of these 10 years you look at what like leary had to go through and then you look even further back and you look at like like Darrow's mom and talking about like, what are they going to do when they're going to get out of the pit? What are they going to do when they grow themselves? What are they going to do when they bring them up to the top shelf? And what happens? Yeah. They get put in camps. There's fucking the red hand running up the side of the fucking coast. I'm just saying, I know it came out very strong mm-hmm. to my competitors here, yeah. Ross and, uh, <laughs> and PJ, but I was told to come with fury. But no, it was, I mean, it was a good, it was a good, good way to come armed. Um, so, to, to, to your kind of question, just real, real quick, uh, to your question about like how I think about Lysander between Iron Gold and Dark Age, I think that this is huge and, and also how we proceed. I think that when Lysander, like any 20-year-old, like any 18-year-old who's finally moving out of their parents' place, when Cassius <laughs> dies, he he suddenly is is shot into a position of like, oh, fuck, well, what do I believe? And he reverts instead of taking the lessons that he learned from Cassius and that sort of emotionality that he had. This is something that Pierre brought up that has just like punched me in the face uh, last week. But since since he lost Cassius and kind of that that guard of, um, you know, this is why I fight for the low colors. This is why I should be doing this. He defaulted back. Right. And unlike. Unlike Roke, in my head, I think Roke is semi-amenable to ideas and could have been convinced. I think that while while he's obviously his mom is in charge of the literal indoctrination color machine, I think that there is no way that you turn Lysander off of his off of his off of his ship supremely or perfectly. I think he could live within a republic. I just think he'd be the silent racist. You know, like he'd be the silent spacist. So I. My take on this is a little bit different. Thinking about this over the past like week leading into this, um, that's not the thing. I don't too, think man. Like, you, dude. You are brand like, dude. You are brand new. You are you're fresh. Brand new. Yeah, <laughs> I've had this conversation with dozens of people. Like, mm-hmm. I envy you rereading that kind of like situation and stuff with the the mindset that you like you have now. You know, like rolling into it because, dude, Cross had you on a goddamn schedule, man. <laughs> And I can, yeah, I, I can appreciate that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> dude, that was like, and the fact that you stayed off the server boards and then you stayed off all the other bullshit, like too, like good for you, man. Like I wish on, I could on our own, yet. on our own discord, there's a no PJs allowed channel. Oh, no, I know I've been in there. I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm sure you have right now. There's a notification for me in there and I'm not going to click on it. <laughs> <laughs> for, okay. for the record that's an invite for you to come into the channel because you're done well, with the series i don't now. know that but um getting back to the lysander topic it seemed to me his his shift and thinking about it more and like looking back on everything that he's talked about it seems more like it wasn't necessarily a shift in what he believed it was more of a perspective shift on how he viewed it and it went from like we've t- kind of talked about it went from 
the view of gold shepherding the lower colors, to subjugation. And the result is the same, effectively, it's just the perspective that he puts on it in his own mind. And he stopped really kind of taking that altruistic, moral, I'm doing this because it's the noble right thing to do and I'm in a position where I can help these lower colors, these low color pieces of shit, I should be in charge of them. And like it, it was, it was a complete perspective shift, but I don't know if it was really an effective change in motive, I guess. Where does like, that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, to, no, I, to, I get that. To pull in just like a little bit of history that I think is really interesting here too. The Vindabona is the ship, right? That, that we're talking about here. It's also the, the ship, like we're kind of dancing around this thing. Like this is when kind of like he changed or he broke or like this is the way that he was, right? The Vindabona is the, is the ship, of course, that uh, we find Serafina on and uh, is sort of the example of what guilt Lysander for the entirety of Iron Gold and into Dark Age even for a bit, but not really as deeply. Um, but Vindabona is the camp that Marcus Aurelius died in. And so I think that that's also, in a way, a form of symbolism for Lysander's character, being that this is a moment that he could have changed. Like, this is this is a change agent. This is when the Roman Empire started to fall. This is... There's a lot of, there's a lot of nice symbolism that sits right there. You didn't Dude, bring that up in the episode. I couldn't, PJ, because that's ruining things. <laughs> the man Fuck has a point. You. The man has a point. <laughs> I can't I can't bring that up until now. Like we had to get to the point where we can talk about like the whole thing. I felt I felt like being aggressive talking about the Reaper versus Darrow so much to my point, like at the end of Dark Age even. But um Yeah, I I mean fuck. I Lysander I, is obviously no. a very complex character and I, I appreciate what he brings to the narrative for sure. Like I and I'm I've, more of a sympathizer than PJ is for sure. But you, but you you gotta drive you gotta drive the line between being like a sympathizer and like like uh, an empathizer, right? Like mm-hmm. we all we right. all know slavery is not right, and, and we all know like subjugated people is not right. But right. what the I hate to say, it, but like what the society has a whole moving forward, and I get where like Quicksilver is coming from, and like where all these other people are coming from. Like it, it's a downplay on trade and capitalism, and, and creating like every man can live for what he wants to be, but it's extending us to the galaxies. It's extending us out to like different places and stuff, you know? So not that it was perfect and, and not to like quote Lysander, like not that it was perfect, but I mean, it has points and I will even go back further and I will like look at Nero where I know Nero is even a bigger fucking bad guy than, I mean, cause if it wasn't for Nero, none of this shit would ever have happened. It's true. Nero, Nero yeah. is responsible for literally everything, including ultimately kind of the deaths of Lysander's parents. Like also fuck Nero. I mean, yeah, fuck Nero, but like Nero had some. I'm rolling up the sleeves. Like Nero had some, <laughs> Nero, real, some really good, good points. <laughs> oh, Nero, no. but, oh, but no. Nero. I mean, yeah, kind of has some really good good points. Other than you know filling people's mouths with fucking grapes and shit. But he no, that was really, really cool. I'm down with that actually. He <laughs> God bless your soul. <laughs> I own a Bologna. All right, all right, Pete. I can't he, not laugh at that name. Seriously, every, every time, time you bring it up, I have to giggle. I, and, I ridiculous never even, like, and I never even giggled at it until I listened to the uh, audiobooks. I was like, oh, yeah. fuck, that, rhy- that rhymed. Like that. <laughs> yeah, I own a bullet. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying about Nero. Um, but no, but Nero really had kind of what Octavia should have had. If, if, mm-hmm. if you kind of like realize like everything 
has a place in the network of all things. Because what happens is like human beings and people as a whole do not think about like the bigger picture. They think about the individual personification, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the big problem why I just jumped off a ledge. But that's like the personification of like why shit right now doesn't work in the United States or across the globe and stuff. Like we don't work as a, as an entity. Like we don't work as like a, a, a group. And what really brought it home was like if you look at like the, the story Dune, like in Dune, they do things to benefit people five generations, eight generations, nine generations in the future. Like we don't do that as human beings. But if we did... We could keep, we could literally populate the entire like cosmos, but mm-hmm. but we never will, and that is what that is why the reason Nero and the conquerors and the Iron Goals is like you need to reel it in because how many things were they running out of? How many like how much stuff was just not available anymore? Like how many humans were dying because of disease or because of you know you got to think about like the bigger picture. And I just watched an interview with. Uh, Chris Brown yesterday about talking about like the prequels and like the stuff that goes on before Red Rising. You know, and you talk we about haven't read those yet, but we're doing it next week. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't read them either. And oh, okay, well, cool. I think I think I'm gonna read them along with you. But those kind of people look at like the big play, like the the mm-hmm. long scheme of things. Like Darrow did not think about the long scheme of things. He he put Ephraim in a position to do the things that he did. Because of the repercussions of the society leaving. Because even Mustang says, if I was the sovereign, like if I was Octavia, no one would ever even like step to me. Like no one would even like threaten me. So right. there is a, not to sound like super like altruistic and stuff, but there's a, a certain place in time for all things that are due. I, I think mm-hmm. while we're talking about like the mechanisms of power, which is, I, I think what, what you're kind of getting to, right, is that Lysander is ultimately trying to reel back and trying to bring people back to the well at the very least an iron gold he's advocating for the ideas of the iron golds right and it is kind of because we lost the idea of expanding to the stars we lost the idea of taking care of fellow man we lost the idea of of uh thriving versus surviving one might say um (laughs) but you know like it's it's those components that really kind of fall out from the society in previous and he's like i can bring those back i can do all of these things and that's what Lysander and Iron Gold is to me, um, but it's in Dark Age when he realizes sort of the stark nature of humanity, of the individual, of of war, and the lengths at which people will go to prove their point, that it really becomes kind of a, I mean, he has to be a cold person in order to pull this off, but then also at the same time, like, he doesn't, he doesn't have anything to show for it yet, so, like, you also can't, I, I have a hard time taking the argument because he hasn't, he hasn't won, so at the same time, like, he can't, say that he's doing any better or that he would do any better because he hasn't reached that point he hasn't hit the point that darren mustang are at where they're dealing with the fallout and they're dealing with the the horrible repercussions of of their own very proper and ethical moral rebellion what does there say as long as it's held down by manicure hands <laughs> yeah right uh what ephraim's line uh same leash different collar right like yeah across yeah. the board yeah it's i mean it's it's tough. That's why I like Ephraim so much in Iron Gold. PJ? All right, I think PJ. there's also something to be said about Lysander's, his view on things as he becomes exposed to them, as opposed to being strictly scholarly about them. Like war, for example. Beforehand, he, he's talking pretty regularly about honor and what, what it means to be an honorable warrior, kind of parroting 
Lauren a little bit sometimes. RIP. Um, <laughs> RIP. Yes. God. And then he finally gets into war, <clears throat> gets into that light resistance with the Reaper. Man. What a fucking chapter moment, anyway. And then suddenly he doesn't give a shit about honor at all anymore. Okay, look. Because <laughs> he, right, he realizes he can't. Because he realizes he can't do it. I already knew you guys were going to come for the honor thing. Nope. I, and I get that. And I've had a lot of conversations, a lot of fights with people, you know, about like the honor aspect and like, you know, who really pushes house, you know, like who, who's really like Lauren's got like grandson, you know, like who really is like the Griffin. Yeah. Uh, Air, the heir of Arcos is a big deal. Right. But I mean, you got to look at Lauren, who was a very precise person who was very um, logical he was very about the society. And so do you think Lorne, if, if Lorne was in life, I'm, I'm going to get wild here. If Lorne was in Lysander's position, do you think he would have fought Alexander head on? Or do you think he would have shot him in the fucking head? He would, he would have shot him in the fucking head. And yeah. uh, in, in all, in all honesty, the backup is what he did to Tactus, right? Like he was like trying to solve a problem 12 steps ahead and he was using the resources that were there to solve them. And I, that to me is the hardest part of that chapter is discerning who's actually the heir like alexander's being trying to be the honorable person that his dad wanted him to be that mm-hmm. you know that's or grand, grandpa alexander grandpa yeah that grandpa yeah. wanted him to be to be the heir of arcos and lysander is actually being the heir of arcos like he is embodying the mm. decision making of lorne which is fucking shitty like well, it's just and it's just oh. like the end of like iron gold too when they you know they meet the ash lord in the bed which was Dude, when I read that, I listen to it on like audiobook now, but I remember like reading that and just being like I wasn't right at work all day. Like like I, I read that shit, I was just like, oh my fucking god, like this was this was before even like Daryl started talking about this it. This like, guy? Was, yeah. I was like, this was literally for fucking nothing. Like we've had we've had a book that could have just been been a prelogue. And they've gone yeah. literally and fuck, man, you introduce people like Apollon- Apollonius and you introduce people like Ajax and like all these other like, you know, really important characters that are, are I hope are very tongueless, prevalent. tongueless, <laughs> tongueless. I'm going to take I'm actually going to take a drink for that. Aaron and I had like a 20 minute conversation about that shit on Hallerpod about yeah. how no one fucking cares about tongueless. And like, we are the only people that care. Fucking love tongueless. Anyway, to, to re- bring it back a little bit. I appreciate that you guys are bringing up the Alexander Lysander kind of standoff thing with the honor, heir of Arcos, everything. Mm-hmm. I'm strictly talking about warfare ah. and and mm. battle. And when, when he was in Ladon and when they were at Hel- Helio- he- Heliopolis. Yeah. So yep. that that's that's the point where I'm talking about where he is where where he takes down the Reaper, where he slays the Reaper. In a way that is completely counter to any of the traditions of gold one-on-one combat, which isn't really perfectly outlined, but you kind of get this feeling that it, like it's supposed to be honorable. It's supposed to be a fair level, basically a joust of some sort. And he just kind of like left hands him with the razor through his chest. That's more what I'm talking about is, is the kind of the intentionally tricking somebody into in non-honorable one-on-one combat 
So this is a really interesting metatextual thing, PJ, that you haven't experienced because you haven't listened to Pierce Brown talk about these kind of things or like listen to any of the interviews, right? Because you haven't hit that point. But Pierce Brown has talked a lot about the difference between Lysander and Darrow being that Darrow is a man of action and Lysander has been a man of thought and, and like not not taking action. Right. And, that, and so that's he's forced what into action. Right. It's yeah. he loses his kind of moral high ground. I don't. I don't know that Pierce has drawn that fierce of a line between the two, but he's mostly compared them as a man of action and inaction. Um, but now I think that like Lysander cannot follow up, cannot be the Marcus Aurelius that he wants to be. He can't be that. Well, I mean, in a way, is being the Lorne, you know. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, agreed. Lorne, yeah. Lorne's attitude is definitely get it done, tear at the roots. You know, like that's what fucking yeah, Lysander was doing. Like I. That's the tough part is like you you view this through the Lorne lens and you're like Lysander's doing the right thing. Darrow's doing the right thing by the philosophy standards, not by the ethical standards. But, you know, yeah, but it, but it makes you think, too, like, what are you like? What are you buying into? Like, what are you what are you looking at? Are you looking for someone that's going to win and reinstitute peace and a, a, a somewhat level of normalcy? Or are you going to have someone who keeps producing um, Askamani raids and keeps producing co- not concentration camps, but like like camps? And, yeah, and, and but, ne- but I'm, I'm saying, I, man, yeah. how, how many Lyra, how many Lyrias are out there who have endured 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 war worse than Lyria? You're so mm-hmm. right on the Lyria front, for the record. Like that is entirely why that perspective and exists, right? Like Deanna Lyria, called it too. Those are my least. Deanna did call it back in in morning morning star for sure but like mm-hmm. lyria definitely had uh, it, that's why that's why her character existed inside of iron gold and so few people like actually give that the full credence that they need to to understand kind of the philo- philosophical underpinnings of the the post-rebellion right but i do think that you would again be reverting back to the well the society is going to need to put these people back in the ground it's going to take generations they're going to be dealing with shit like lysander isn't going to be alive in the long term is it advancing society what what can he do the problem is the lysander that we want is the lysander where cassius is around dad that's not dad is around and he can he can be like okay like the society can exist, but like we need to do good things, not bad things. And Lysander's like, okay, dad. And he does them. But and I just don't, was, I don't believe that that, I don't believe he had that. He's been that pushing works. against Cassius when he was around, though. Correct. But at the very least, he agreed and understood Cassius. What's the, what's the bad, thi- what's the bad things that Lysander has done? Um, so strictly bad. Yeah. Or, 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 or let, let, let's just, let's, it's, let's get these. I mean, arguably, up. he fought for the, an intergalactic fascist union that's trying to enslave an entire billion, three billion person population. Like that's kind of bad. Yeah, that, that's kind of bad. Yeah, it's kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> Did I put that into specific enough terms for you? <laughs> that's actually that's actually. It is that leading them, married <laughs> into it, is fucking his kind of aunt, like <laughs> cucking his cousin. Like there's there's a lot there. <laughs> But that's all. <laughs> that's all superficial. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that makes me feel really bad about myself right now. No, 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 no. It's it's actually it's I, I mean, it's a lot of fun to talk my, through this I because bang, I don't pay my aunt. I'm just, I'm just saying how I feel about it. <laughs> no, but you you have a very good point in that. Regardless of what he's thinking now. 
his his actions are the same as what he felt before. He was going to support the society either way. It's just that now he's viewing it from a lens less of shepherding, I feel like. Yeah, because things got the, the PJ, the the lambs and the sheep have gotten out of out of the thing. Out of what is that called? I don't even know what that's called. Out of the pen. They are, they are running yeah. around along the mountains. You're about to lose like three sheep over the cliff into the ocean because they can't get their shit together. Like you're going to literally be short for your rent, for your food, for everything else. So, why not hire or buy a sheepdog to shepherd those sheep in? Keep them inside so you're not losing money, you're not losing lives, you're not killing anything. Things are... And you're keeping them safe. You're now, now we just need to take this metaphor and make it clear that PJ and the sheep are of the same species. Because that's also <laughs> what we're missing here. <laughs> you <Yeah>, silly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we but, we've had this conversation a little bit. Yeah, we we actually haven't like died. We have had this conversation. Are they the same species? Oh, all the colors? No, no, they're not. Their their spinal structure is different. Their muscle density is different. The way their innards are built is different. I think someone even goes in to say about how they can. Oh, yeah, it was um. The jackal when they pulled him out of the fucking box where he's like he's resort he's resorting back to um, Homo sapien and he's he's turned out of the new uh, board of quality control term is such and such and such Homo superior yeah yeah um, I mean the, I feel like no no all that I was gonna say is that's my trouble with it right is that it is the jackal who really kind of declares and this is something that I think I brought up on the podcast a couple of times when PJ has gone into these 40 minute arguments with me and I've had to cut them down to five minutes for the podcast sake Um, I love that journey for you by the way I love that there's at least four episodes that there are 40 minutes on the cutting room floor of this exact same conversation (laughs) in which PJ doesn't remember it from the last time we had it but I do I remember I I remember that we had the conversation. <laughs> it's the first step, uh, PJ. First step. It's, it's pretty, yeah, 12 more steps, right? Just like me. Bit of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, 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 no worries. Um, so the the thing that I have with the homo superior conversation is that it's it's just so locked into the jackal and the jackal's perspective and the board of quality control. And while I do think that it's likely so, re- that there's ignore, been... Ignore his... Take on it then and just look at the colors themselves. Correct. Which is why I was saying, while there's likely that there's been divergences, of course, because of of breeding, I feel like the I I, if only I knew biological classifications better, I could probably get more specific here. But it doesn't feel like species is the right term. Um, Genus is a stretch too high. Um, I forget. I forget the term. Genus is above species, right? Correct. Yes. It becomes very apparent in Dark Age, and I sound like super like eugenics and stuff, but like obviously a red cannot contend with like an obsidian or a um, gold. You know, like like pe- people are built for certain things. Like you got to think of it as like a tool. And the not to sound like hella weird, but like the way I compare it to is like everyone has like when I used to work in like fine dining and like in deep kitchens, everyone has a position, right? And it makes the yep. kitchen successful. You have a saucier, you have a butcher, you have a um, gourmand, you have a uh, garmage team. Like, people are built into their positions, and not to fucking say his name again, but Nero had a really good point. 
it's what makes humanity successful and makes us the most dominant and long-stretching species in the universe. And in a long run and long term of things, what's more important than that? So, uh, yeah, go for go for yeah, it. Feel free. I am going to completely revert on what I was talking about and get in line with Crossland's line of thinking and bring it back uh, uh, to uh, Ant YouTube. <laughs> oh, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I think it's Ant YouTube. Um, I can't Ant YouTube. I, I like watching ant, ants. I can't believe I like how many ants, times this right? come up randomly in conversations. Um, Wait, but well, there are species of ants that have different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there there are like species the insect, of ants in the the insects. Yes, the insects. Yeah, like yes. the like the little little colonies of ants. There are species you, you want, that have different. You want to talk about it? You okay? He's talking. Yeah. You, you want to talk about? Yeah, we, about talking ants? about it right now. <laughs> He's, he's got a problem. <laughs> so there, there are some Cheers. species that have completely different body type, types for different roles within the community. So there are ants that are made for protection. Like they, they have more defensive capabilities. There are bigger ones that can like chomp through big pieces of like food. Yeah. Like, and, and there are specialized roles and they all came from the same queen the same eggs and as the needs of the colony are apparent different ones will be birthed so that happens in nature so i guess it can happen in humanity too i never thought ant youtube would be what came to my defense here like i never thought that was going to be the way <laughs> no, that no, this no, went no, he, he's coming to my defense he's saying I, everyone I, needs to be i'm coming to both of your defense you guys were he, both on the same side yeah, he, he, and I was. But you, oh. Zeph, do you think you think that they're different species? Yes, I'm not smart enough to know. I'm not smart enough to know the difference between like species and like genuses and like all that other stuff. That's exactly what I said. So <laughs> we're, we're in the same. <laughs> Literally, exactly what I said. <laughs> but effect like those are all the same species. Genetically, they are the same. So okay. even though they have very okay. specialized skills and they're. Like that me actually, versus Crossland. I can do stuff that Crossland can't do. That actually made sense um, though. Because but I can you, never train to be taller like you are. They're all, you they're could. all ants, but they all have different torture devices. spaces. Yes. Right. So that's why the right. society works, right? Well, yeah, or that's why like any economic system works or socio ecological system works. I got cross, I didn't get PJ. Like that's why anything works, is because they have to work. Because it has to function, right? So if, if Lysander wants to put those things back in place, then why is it a bad thing? And why is I Lysander think, a bad guy? I think the trouble that I have with it is that it's mandated based on your place of birth, not your worth. That's that's more of my issue with it. It is your ability and capability, though. It's kind to a certain extent very tangibly related to your type of, like, to how you were born. But I mean, like, ooh, this is a very worth, worth is not the same thing, but <laughs> capability absolutely is this kind of particular thing inside of Red Rising. Oh, PJ is re-pouring for everyone at home. PJ has added a second drink as a Zeph. I am on my second beer, though, here. Um, oh, and and the bomb color commentary the, on our drinking bomb. habits yes. from Crossland right now. <clears throat> and a quick it's a quick it's a quick rip. Ah, uh, yes. My sister's a fucking sports commentator and whatnot, so. That doesn't yeah. mean you are. Um, no, but that means that at the very least, like, I, I get to, you know, <laughs> I know. I'm fucking, fucking talk about, about it. You. 
so kind of the tough part about this, the the whole conversation with with Lysander and kind of the other side of the argument is that there's a combination of of a small like eugenics argument that goes into it and a small yeah, yeah. Um, ethical moral moral fascism like it can someone being in control of the means of production be more effective Dude, you know I, like look, i'll tell you what like i a pinch would... of eugenics a dash of racism <laughs> and chemical <laughs> it, is. <laughs> it is but to like Fuck. think back about that shit though honestly is i would have never had so much appreciation and re- and understood lysander if it wasn't for lyria it's fair yeah yeah, yeah. like like does that make does that make sense because everyone yeah. else like even if you talk about like ephraim Efren's living the fucking life. He's banging pinks. He's, you know, sucking off obsidians, whatever he does on the weekends and shit. Like, he's drinking a lot of vodka and he's taking a lot of, uh, shit. What was that shit called? Zolodone. Oh. Zolodone. Man, can I get a couple of those fucking things? Man. <laughs> Turned to walking machine. He's doing really well for himself. He's a fucking, like, not terrorist, but he, but he's a, um, uh, he's, he's a thief. He, he lives in the upper echelon, right? You look at, Mustang, you look at Darrow, you look at, uh, I think that was only the four POVs, right? It was, uh, initially for Iron Gold. It was, uh, Lyria, Lyria, Ephraim. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Mustang wasn't until Dark Age. Dude, there, there's some like comments, like there's just like some like chapters that makes me like Iron Gold Gold better than Dark Age. I didn't, and I didn't like really like respect it the first time around, but like, Dude, after reading it a couple times and like re-listening to it, I was like, "Damn, like Iron Girl is a fucking solid book. That shit, that shit's heavy as fuck in in certain places." And so it's a everything to, like Dark Age. I think soon, maybe within the next week or two. Nah, I've got to read Mistborn, but I want to just binge through the entire audiobook series. Well, and also too, this is something this is something I'll put in for like the podcast. Is like I feel like a lot of people built up a wall to Lysander because they switched voice actors between the two books. From Iron Gold into into um, Dark Age, and I feel like that kind of like, I, I I mean I'm diving deep, I'm reaching hella deep into that sack for Lysander right now, but <laughs> I feel like a lot of people got upset because they switched like voice actors, and I feel like in turn it switched a lot of his like mentality and stuff because like the Lysander you get in Iron Gold, I will hark back and I, and, and I get it like where like he wants to be honorable and stuff, but. Dude, like, Honorable doesn't win wars. Like, Honorable doesn't put shit back in place. Honorable doesn't, you know, make shit happen. Mm-hmm. And and that's where, like, everyone freaked mm-hmm. out about Alexander's death, where I was just like, yeah, man, like, you fucking, dude, you reap what you fucking sow, bitch. Like, like hashtag, motherfucker. Like, you literally reap what you sow. Like, you want to fight a, 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 a gunfight with a knife? And then you need capped in the head. There's there's a fly that fly literally that. landed on your camera. Um, on my camera. <laughs> to, to your point, though, I I think that's what makes Lysander's perspective so captivating, right? It, it, especially when you consider we've gone back to this a couple of times, but the Air of Arcos thing. One of one of the big things with Lorne, of course, was for Darrow. He wished that he didn't have to be a soldier, right? And to a certain extent, because you can hold all those morals, you can hold that high ground, you can be the better man mm-hmm. in all of these different situations, and. Lysander in a couple of ways was the better man. You would say that maybe he was he was punished by his upbringing and that led him to have some of the other opinions and, you know, sort of moral quandaries that he was facing. But in a lot of ways at the very least he embodied some of the morals that Lauren stood for until he was forced to become a man of action and that's when he kind of lost all of that goodwill that he earned. 
in the Ladon? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying specific, like, the Ladon's, like, the changing moment, but it happens from the Ladon forward. Like, he, he still preserves his own honor, of course, because he, he chooses to save the Praetorians. He he chooses things that are honorable still, while not necessarily understanding the sacrifice. Gold. Kinda. He's he's honoring the Greys. He's honoring the Greys' position by being like, no, because all of the golds could have escaped if he would have stolen the food rations and supplies, and, like, no one would have been caught. That, but, you know? Like, chap- like moments like that and chapters like that is what makes me have conversations like this where right. he, he didn't have to dip out of the lid on. I, I mean, I mean, he didn't have to stay. He chose not to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like Clavarius and like all those motherfuckers are down there and like they, they have come for this. And I think it's such a great point of view where, I mean, I mean, life, like dude, life is just trying to get shit done, man. Like Ajax is, Put in his butt, like like Atlanta. No one knows where she, where she's at. I mean, Daryl literally leaves him dying the desert floor, and the fact that he learns from that fight, he learns from that battle, he comes back when they're fighting Heliopolis. Like, like I'm not gonna hit him head on. That's stupid. Like the the intellect and the foresight that Lysander brings into something like that type of battle is insane. You know, like like the man can like. The, like Lys- if Octavia was still alive, Octavia could understand the man Lysander has like turned into, and she would be okay. He, with it. She shaped him, so yes, she could definitely understand the man that he he would have turned into, but also but, is accepting of it. But for ten years, yeah, he literally right. says that he spends half and half time with someone like Cassius, who is all about the lower colors. He's about the rising. He's about putting people, you know, like like where they need to be, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why they get on the Vinabona. No. Vinabona? Yeah, the Vinabona. Yep. Hey, um, the Gil on the Vinabona and stuff like that were, and he has so much respect for the Raws and he has so much respect for like their type of like living where I forget what the quote, but it's like Hala Rex, Tala Tex or, or, or something like that. And I'm just like, man, like every time they say that, it's, it's dope as fuck because like he can see where the society could go. You know what I mean? Like, like, like there, there's a certain, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and he said, man, like, and, and he said to, to, to Dio, like, Daryl's had his time. Daryl and Virginia have been doing this for 10 years. It's a decade. That's, that's 10 years of, of solid groundwork. They're not doing the thing. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, it's, it's not... And I know things take time and, and, and emancipations and stuff, but, like, man, like, all those people were perfectly fine 10 years ago, living underground, getting laurels, grinding dirt, getting to, <laughs> to Helium 3. Getting laurels. <laughs> Only some of them. Some of them were getting laurels. But but I'm just it's it's not right and it's not it's not the, the good part of the society. But Darrow's brought on chaos into into the world of Red Rising, and that's also mm-hmm. like 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 that's why I love Darrow at like the Battle of Elysium. That's why I like love Darrow. I don't love the fact that he killed Wolfgar, but like either get out the way or get on board because we are trucking through. Kind of an accident, but also Darrow's fault in the long run. Like, that's kind of the, the hard part with Wolfgar is, like, it's, you know, he he chose to put himself in this situation where he was going to kill him. One of the things that I just want to bring up to your point of, like, a decade of time, the American Revolution was 25 years. The Whiskey Rebellion happened eight years in. And then the burning of the White House happened another 20 years after that. Like, there are a number of different marked fights within within the union and then 70 or 80 years after that we have the civil war so uh, like 
you know, like you constantly have to fight for whatever like you're standing for. So I think in a certain regard, I'm speaking on behalf of Darren Mustang here saying like 10 years is not enough time, probably given historical examples to be able to establish something that is concrete unless you are a completely tyrannical dictator in, say, Peru or Argentina, in which they are very good at that. For that good job, Cross, for sh- shooting all my shit down. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> no, but it, but it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, right. But it but that's so the fun sense. part about this book, right? Like, it's it's about that argument. It's about like the is it are, were we better before or are we better now? Like, what what do we what do we do? I mean, we all it's, read the first three books, just like hell yeah. Like, let's free these people. Let's get shit like get people out of fucking. Yeah. And then what happened? You yeah. know. Quicksilver came in, bought everything up. No one's getting money. Mm-hmm. Everyone's living in the fucking slums and they're living in camps and shit. Like Quicksilver's really the villain here. Let's be real. Let's be real. Quicksilver Quicks- is probably the villain here. Quicksilver's le- like legit, like like a Elon Musk or a fucking like. Uh, Quicksilver's Peter thing. Thiel, man. Peter, he's fucking Peter Thiel. He's he is the eBay guy in the back. So, P- do you know who Peter Thiel is? I have no fucking clue. Okay, so Peter Thiel... I know he's a reptilian, though. So Peter Thiel is actually responsible for Elon Musk's money in general. He bought... He had a competitor company, and Peter Thiel, who owned PayPal, bought out the bought out Elon Musk and added him to the company, gave him a bunch of money, and, uh, and then subsequently is responsible for a lot of that kind of rise and change and everything. So... Uh, but he's been a, a like shadow billionaire <laughs> for almost two decades, responsible for like the fall of Gawker. I could go on. I could talk AKA about this forever. Reptilian. I like truly. If so, for anyone who's listening and or you two, one of my favorite books of the last my life. One of my favorite books of my life um, is Conspiracy by Ryan Holiday. PJ knows the Ryan Holiday name because of some of his stoic work and other things like that. But he wrote this nonfiction book about Peter Thiel and the fall of Gawker and Hulk Hogan and that whole lawsuit. And it is one of the best books that exists ever because what Peter Thiel did, this shadow billionaire, this quicksilver motherfucker, is he was outed by Gawker as a gay man in the early 2000s he outed peter thiel as a gay man which was unacceptable because this was a private billionaire he was the first investor in facebook you remember him from the social network because he was the first investor in facebook that guy um and he this is all news to me oh yeah (laughs) just just but anyway ryan holiday wrote this book was able to talk about it the shadow conspiracy behind what Peter Thiel did to take down Gawker after they outed him as gay through Hulk Hogan, who Gawker published a sex tape of. And he funded the entire thing through back channels and did all of it to make sure that they were removed as a source of media. It's wild. It's such a good book. That's um, what I'm fucking it's, here for, man. Yeah. It's, it's been optioned <laughs> into two different <laughs> movies. Kind of- like, it's so good. It's such a good nonfiction book. Fuck. Anyway. Oh, Back yeah. to the point. Quicksilver is the real fucking villain here. Let's be real. We just haven't we haven't seen it yet. We we don't quite know yet. Other other thoughts on Lysander before we move on to like other other things. I don't know. Other other than, other than, other than the fact that he's the greatest character of all the books. You know, greatest character of all the books. You motherfucker. I, I, no, no. <laughs> we all know that belongs to Roke. Like, why why are you even mentioning Lysander whoa, in Roke's vicinity? Whoa. Why would why would you say just... something so controversial but so true? <laughs> I can, I can, man, oh, I man. can, I can hear the fans weeping right now in my head. Right, right. You think you everyone, think everyone who's listening to this podcast is very upset that we didn't get more Rogue. All right, tell me about Rogue. 
I, I mean, like my my only thing with Roke is at this point, it feels like he's the poet, right? So it feels like we should have had Darrow reflect on a poem that he wrote. Like it feels like we should have had a Roke poem at some point, and we just haven't. Like we haven't had an original poem from Roke. I mean, I don't think we ever will though, because they're so far in the future yeah. and they're so far distant from. I mean, those things are like it's like almost like a catalyst, it's almost like like an excuse for the way you live you would have expected it sooner so like it's not it's never going to happen but that's that's just something that like i would look for maybe if we think about the future and maybe potentially the death of darrow like i would like for him to reflect on an original poem that like roke wrote and i would like for that to be like a recurring theme maybe throughout the sixth book but that's never going to happen because no one except for me gives a shit about roke so do we know if roke ever actually wrote any poetry you're diving deep man You're, you're pulling my heartstrings I fucking love Roke. I, I, Roke I wanna, I, is the most tragic character to me personally out of the, the characters that we lose in the original trilogy. Is it weird that I like Lysander more than Roke? No, that's I acceptable. Think, I can understand I think, that. So I think Roke's yeah. a shittier person than Lysander? Um, I disagree, I but I don't think they're close. Roke, I don't think, I think Roke would have been like Warren. He would have never turned. I think Roke would have, I think Roke could have turned if Darrow would have let him in. Mm, man don't get me wrong deep like dude deep down in my person like deep down like my heart like in my heart hearts like, like in my fucking like deep part like yeah i would love rogue to be like i, I wish rogue would have been cassius because i fucking hated cassius and i know ben from halipro is gonna like crucify me for that but like i think cassius i think cassius is a shit character i don't, I don't think cassius is worth his salt i know there's a ton of people that think he is but i think rogue was a better friend than cassius but he did not for have sure the same but he did not have the same upbringing and he was not ready to give up that shit. And you, and you heard it in the conversation with the moon Lords and you heard it in the conversation he had before he died. And he, and you, you, also but heard it. even, even the conversation with the moon Lords was forced. It was, it was, it was him being the society and it was him being like, but, 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 and he was kind of like the, um, actually. And it's like, all you need to do with that kid is like sit him down in a room and be like, do you realize how fucked up this is? And you'd be like, yeah. Do you realize how like crazy it is that like my wife died at 15 and she was hung and I was hung and he would have been like, I'm so sorry, Tara. Nah, I didn't I, realize the emotional pain that you went through from losing your wife and being no, hung as a right. I think completely opposite. I think that I think happened. he would have learned and he would have doubled down. I think the rope mm. you saw when he talked to the Moon Lords and like how he was during the Battle of Ilium, that that that's the bear that is the bear rope. That is that is the mm. rope boiled down to who he is as a person. Okay. And I think I think Lauren would have been the same. And I think I mean I, I, I really I really think I, I worship Lauren. I think Roke's one of the best characters, but I don't think that Roke had the capacity or the understanding or the empathy to understand that Darrow was going to try to rise up. I think that conversation yeah. where they're on the bridge and he kills himself, I think he killed himself for a reason. And that reason is because there is no going back from where we are. And it's the same thing with the Battle of Ilium. And that's why like, I'm a huge fan of like, Darrow's like, villain, villain pieces. Because to be a villain is to win the war. To be a villain and undercut people and do shitty things to the Moon Lords and to everyone else, that's how you win the war. 
You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Which is also the way that Lysander is headed. The fact that also people can't recognize that parallel is ridiculous. You beat me to it, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> but like, was like oh, literally, like literally, it, it is yeah, actually absurd like... to me. Like, there's so many conversations that are out there where it's like, come on, just like take a moment and understand that this is no different than when Lysander decided that when Darrow decided to blow up the docks. Like, this is. His moment where he gets to solve the problem for the future. And so he Bad. aggravates Darrow and calls him a slave and makes him turn around and then thinks of a way to beat him. Like that is what's even better is that he doesn't use the mind's eye. He doesn't cheat inside of the combat in in the way that like a lot of people consider the mind's eye like a superpower of cheating. Like he doesn't do that. He's not doing that in that moment. But I I, I kind of get where the mind's eye is coming from because... We've had five books of Darrow being this fucking just like I mean, like I said, like I've been re like re-listening to like Dune. I've been watching like a lot of Rick and Morty. Like like Darrow's yeah. basically like a god. Like Darrow, like the way he holds himself, a war god. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, dude, he is a fucking entity. Like he is a entity, mm-hmm. and so for well, he's two different entities. He's Darrow and the Reaper. But yeah, I mean, fine. I'm gonna tell you right now. I was the first one to come up on that shit. On Were you fucking Halifont? <laughs> I mean, this. Yeah, dude, I, I, this I, I didn't. I didn't listen because I, part of my, part of my issue is I didn't want to like taint my own perspective, so I didn't listen until we kind of like dude, got into the podcast a little bit. But and as you shouldn't, because like when I sat down with Howler Pod, because like our conversations before and stuff, like I really thought that I think they really thought I was going to buy into like the gala and like like ripping off Cassie's arm, like because I'm very like what I've talked to you guys today about like violence. Like, yeah, or not just violence, but just like there's a way of doing things and i don't know if this comes from just like cooking kitchens for like my entire life but like you can get shit done at a very efficient rate if you just get in your fucking line you know mm-hmm. but i talked mm-hmm. to them about it and it was one of those things where like there's two different people like i actually told them like there was like four different people like you have darrow who's a red you have darrow who's a gold you have darrow who's pre-box which is like the fucking yep. that's that's fair the, that's the actually a really god. good read on it, that. It, yeah, it's the it's the Reaper, and then you have the Darrow post box. I I think the Reaper is really Darrow post box, and then I, I think your three and four are the Darrow that I talk about the most. Those are the ones that I talk about. One hundred percent, because I think yeah. there's like like a, a red Darrow, mm-hmm. the Darrow that got like raised, but then there's two different. When everything like pans out, there's two different Darrows, right? Now, I know you guys mm-hmm. have talked about it, and I know you guys are, like super deep into it. Where there's a Darrow who is Darrow, but then there's like the fucking Reaper. But I don't agree with you guys. Where when he gets on the on the spaceship with Cassius and stuff, like I don't think he's leaving the Reaper behind. I honestly mm. think he's like he's stepping into like personify the Reaper because like I don't know if you guys ever watched Dragon Ball Z, but there's like three phases. I have like, watched all of the Dragon Ball Z. Yes, but it's like, dude, like. You you keep leveling up, right? You know you keep, you going through your fights. You, you fucking you know you get buffer. You fucking find a new form. You fucking get like I think Darrow in book six is gonna be the Reaper like two times fold because he's gonna be mm-hmm. looking for fucking vengeance. He's gonna looking for me, and he's already accepted the fact that he's not gonna live like the long run. It's like in, like in Dune, right? Where like Paul's like yep. he knows like he's sorry spoilers. You're fine. Okay, like okay. like Paul's not gonna like. <laughs> He knows he's not going to make like the long run, right? So he yep. sets other people up for that. So I see Darrow setting up Pax. I see him setting up Mustang. I see him setting up like his entire family to run the long game because the moment you leave being just Darrow, you become the Reaper and like everyone's scared of killing him, right? So like you mm-hmm. don't want to martyr. 
But being a martyr, just like his wife, is probably the best fucking choice for him. And that's where like Lysander comes yeah. in, where Lysander's literally trying to turn the tide. Lysander's trying to put shit back in. And not only that, like he is the definition of like long-standing like bloodline. Mm-hmm. So who better to step in? And like my question to you guys too is like, do you think Lysander and Eleni are going to have a kid in the sixth book? And that's what's going to carry us. My fucking later. god. Okay, so I, we'll definitely have that conversation in just a second. <laughs> I just want to draw a parallel. Um, a lot of people also don't point out that Paul and Lysander are very similar, and that a lot oh, of their yeah. traits are—they're the following along identical paths. The mind's eye, yeah, the mind's yeah, eye. Like it's, it's all. They're literally like, stuck not in the enough people. <laughs> not enough people think about it that way, and people are so stuck in the idea that Paul is a good guy in the first and second book. Like it's, yeah, it, I mean, fuck. Anyway, um, no, no, some Paul's doom a monster talk in this, for you. Yeah, yeah, Paul's a monster but, in the second book. Yeah, Paul, yeah. And that's also why I'm very excited for the adaptation because the second book is both a combination of the end of Dune and and Dune Children. Like that's the idea. Right. And it's like fucking I, give that to me. Anyway, I'm super dude, excited I, for Friday because that's when or Thursday, that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Um to to your point so, on Darrow and the Reaper and kind of the segregation of identities. You know, maybe it isn't the defeat of the Reaper. I just feel like the breaking of the scythe feels very symbolic of the death of that version of the Reaper that we've gotten to know over the course of Iron Gold and Dark Age. And and since, like, post-box. Like, this feels like a defeat. It feels like the end. It feels like a turning point. It feels like, to me, when Luke loses his hand, right? It feels like that same kind of Empire Strikes Back-y big change moment where a character realizes that he can't be the... He isn't the personification of justice. He isn't the personification of honor. He isn't the personification of truth. He is instead reliant on others and can build something can, can be can can be more you know like he, he can strive for something more so yeah I, I i think like he might be right he might double down to the reaper in the next book and this might just be that this might be that pre-level up but i i have faith in the idea that instead he leans more into friends and he spends the first half of the book rescuing his friends from luna and from earth saving Savro pebble and clown maybe losing one or two of them well what what friends are left screw face um are you sure (laughs) kind of he's he's a broken shell of a man but you know yeah to to your point though like you're right but you'd hope that that's that's what comes next so that's all i wanted wanted to hear i don't know that you're right is that is that you're going to hear yeah i can just whisper that you're right you're right (laughs) you're right Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to be right. I definitely do not want to be right. You know, I, I definitely want to see like, uh, so I want to see a Superman story. I just don't trust Pierce Brown. Like, motherfucker scares me. Deep down <laughs> in my core. Like, he's, he's, so I am literally setting myself. Like, dude, the fact that he, man, killed Daxo. That, I, I, I have a really weird spot in my heart where I'm just like, man, like, I was more concerned about Daxo than I was like Severo. And it's going to sound like a really like, like offhanded opinion, but I like Severo, but like, dude, everyone's just like fucking like about Severo. I, I can take him or leave him. I, I mean, interestingly enough, that's actually a conversation that we've had twice in the last 10 days. So yeah, yep. I was like, though at the end of books, book five or, uh, or in a, yeah, in a book five, like, dude, he was no, I fucked that up in a book. Iron Gold. I mean, he, he dipped out. He was a bitch. Like, he, he wouldn't double down. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and Mustang says the best way where, you know, like, we can handle shit at home. 
Like, go figure this shit out. It's also the second time we've heard that in two weeks, <laughs> which is not yeah, like I, I totally that. agree with you. Like, I, I'm 100 percent on that page. You know, it's it's just yeah. like that decision on Severo's part is is more to me. It's more symbolic of of their division of priorities between Darrow and Severo. Um, not that like not that Severo is undervaluing Victra or Mustang's capabilities, but also like I need to put all my effort into this because there's no way I'm losing that. And that's just a difference of priority. PJ, your read on the Darrow Severo Reaper. Darrow Severo Stang. Reaper. What division? Just any any of all of any and all of this. All right. Um You've been left out for a bit. No, all all good. I feel like the Severo thing, as far as the way he's kind of perceived and talked about within the community, from what I've heard and what I've seen, which is admittedly not that much because I've intentionally removed myself from it, but getting into it and seeing it, it, it seems like a lot of people latch onto him because he is kind of, they latch onto him because it's kind of like edgy for edgy, edginess sake to a certain extent. And it's like they, the initial humor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, a little bit of toilet humor, a little bit of just dark humor in general. And he is not that character at all. In the fifth, in the fourth book, even like that, he does not really himself. It's like he grew up personify that character and he still kind of holds that tag a little bit. And I'd like to see Pierce Brown flesh him out a little bit more and actually show that growth a little bit more. So because we can see it, we can see it, but it's not that prevalent. And I'd like to see where he's actually grown to. And I'd like it to be at the foreground because he's not he's not the character he was in the first trilogy at all. And I will 100 percent agree with PJ on this because of the fact that like not that I think like Severo is overplayed, but I feel like people fall back on Severo so much to relieve themselves of like what Darrow's like turning into. Severo's turned in from like 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 PJ said like this like potty humor fucking like you know like get the bucket or get the box kind of guy to like like mm-hmm. I miss like I miss my kids like I like I legit like I'm going home because I miss my kids I know there's an inter like an intergalactic fucking war going on right now and I know like we only have like three more steps to get the shit done but I need to see my kids you know so yeah. like he's definitely tur- like like he'll turned into this like like this person. And originally when I read Iron Gold, I was really interested in seeing um, Darrow's dynamic with Apollonius compared to with, like, Severo. Because, like, when it got set up in the beginning, I was like, fuck, dude, like, like is, is, like, is, like, Darrow going to dump Severo for Apollonius? <laughs> because, like, Apollonius... Kind of, yeah, you get you get some moments there. Yeah, man. And, but they kind of agree with each other, yeah. But then Darrow fucks it up all in, at the end of the end of the book and now he plays for uh oh that guy's lysander's team (laughs) that boy so yeah Um, that guy that boy not our boy that boy um my boy (laughs) 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 that's that's an aggressive claim um but it also like dives into the fact that like i am i'm excited to see like all the characters grow and like see where they go to especially mm -hmm. like with like oculus and like with like quicksilver and Ephraim. Do you, I mean, do you guys think that Ephraim's going to be replaced with another POV, or do you think he's just going to run it clean like he did in the first book, in the first book of the trilogy? I think that Ephraim will be replaced with Volga, most likely. Um, that feels like the most 
apt thing to do because the perspective on the inside of the obsidian is basically what Ephraim gave us in the second book. In the first book, it was kind of the the theft and robbery and sort of the lower culture of of the moon. And I, I feel like you can't just like let Volga's story exist in a vacuum until it eventually intersects with one of the other POVs. That doesn't make sense to me. So I think I don't know. That's I think my that thought. has to. I don't know if I agree with you because I think there's going to be a decent amount of overlap with Lyria still. Uh, they PJ, went PJ, this way. Yeah, yeah they you did. Re- you need to reread these books like twelve times, like the rest of us. It's like really dialed Fair. in. I don't. I. But, I, but think I see a convergence eventually. I, I just it, don't. It'll it'll converge. Oh yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Like, like you're just gonna be like literally like like drop down, fucking like stab, like fall on the back of the neck, and fucking like a okay. Yeah. Right. With a behind with the, like behind the curtain meeting of Volga and Fa. Man. And progressing through that relationship and then getting hit, just getting smacked with it at its fruition later. Well, so you're, I'm you're OK talking, with that. You're, you're talking like six months in. Yeah. Like deep, like deep, deep, like, like Volga's been there now for six months. She's basically told Fa that, like, yes, I'm your granddaughter. Train me, develop me, turn me into this fucking weapon. Because we all know Fa's like a fucking man. Monster. Yeah, I still don't. I still don't trust him. I don't trust him to. I don't trust him to want Volga to actually proceed with the Obsidian. I genuinely believe he's going to try to subjugate her into being basically a breeding ground for his sub, like his monsters, like 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 Ragnar was or Ragnar's dad. Who he is technically? No, he's Ragnar's dad. Um. Pale horse. Was Ragnar? It, it was Ragnar. Ragnar was was Suppose, the sort. Of, he he was being farmed. They, they were well, farming. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of supposedly going on in so there's, there's a lot of bloodlines, right? Like but, where like Rothgar and Ragnar seems to be the way, especially when we get the post data. It it, it seems here's the thing that seems accurate. Volga is the daughter of Ragnar via Rothgar. Yeah. They know I, that that's yeah, that's established like, at the very end of the book. Yeah, I feel like we can nail that down because like Atlant, yeah, At- Atlantic came in, gave her toys. Like they, yep. like yep. they were part of that thing. We we can yeah. nail that down. Certainly, we cannot so nail down Faw's connection with anything else. We can't Correct. nail down. You think Faw's full of shit? I think I think Faw Faw is totally full of shit. I think that really? Faw is. So really? I, I think that Fa, my, my opinion is, I think that Fa is an incredible obsidian. I do not think that he's the father of Ragnar. I think he's claiming that as 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 a mechanism of the Fear Knight's tactics. And I, I totally I totally believe that functionally. I I think that this is mostly a claim to fame and a totally a fear tactic, as you think about the way that he is proceeding through and cleaning through all of these different ranks working through psychological warfare putting Freyhild up and splaying her out blood eagle it all seems to me like this is psychological warfare front to back to conquer Sefi's weak quote obsidians yeah um, but Sefi ain't alive anymore 
No, and agreed, but, agreed that she's not alive. All that I'm saying is that I don't think that he's the father of Ragnar Valaris. I think he's probably the strongest motherfucking obsidian that we've seen for sure and is more than equal to Ragnar. Like, he is the fucking what the fuck, but I do not think, I think that he's claiming, I think that he's claiming fatherhood to to try to eke out some kind of a legacy connection to the honor does that mean I have to get a fucking like pale horse tattoo now? Underneath, <laughs> underneath my Ragnar tattoo? You're getting a pale horse? Or you already have one? Oh no, no, not yet. But I, I definitely okay. have a Ragnar tattoo. Yeah, no, I I know the Ragnar <laughs> tattoo. It's just one. Has PJ has PJ anyway. seen the Ragnar tattoo? I haven't. Oh yes, I, yes I have. Yep, 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 yep. There we go. Yep. Hey, there Ragnar. we go. But it's it's the uh, it's the PB Doodles Ragnar. Who's the fucking homie? Yeah, yeah, she's she's great. So good, so good. But your sort of claim or your your thought on this gives even more credence to my thought in that I don't think his intentions is for Volga to lead the Obsidian. I think it's strictly it's manipulation. But she's going to play against him specifically. I think he wants to farm her. For, there's not enough time to farm. For, like, there's the nothing. Genes? What do you mean? There's not enough time for the genes. We're talking like nine months. Like, like the, my my trouble. Yes, the genes. I, I think is okay. kind of the, the theory, right? So, like, my my trouble with with this theory, as we've kind of talked about it a little bit, is that end all be all of Fa is as an operative in the rebellion against the against the republic. It's about killing the republic. And so I don't think that like his long term is farming out Volga. I think if anything, he probably wants to claim Volga and then kill her. That way, she can't be a, a symbol for the Obsidian going forward. It can be both, though. It can be no, both. I it can this, absolutely be. No, both. I want this shit to all be true because I want to, <laughs> dude. I want a fucking throwdown between Fa and fucking Darrow, dude. I fuck I mean, Atlantia, yeah. dude. Fuck Lysander, like, dude. I want. I, I I want some fucking like I I want to see some motherfuckers bang, you know. Yep. Like, dude, yep. I I don't, I don't want no. We put them down in the desert. I don't want to see no like I broke her arm. I don't want to see no fucking like like uh, star shells and sh- no. I want like man to man fucking like like combat like. And to Darrow for Darrow to talk about like how he's fighting fucking like Ragnar's father like. And I want and I want fucking fall. To put him down, I want Fa to put Daryl down, and then Daryl walks through the 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 wheat or whatever the fuck the veil is, and the, and he sees fucking Ragnar and he sees fucking Eo, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, Lyria jumps out from the rocks and fucking stabs Fa in the head. In the book, Pierce Brown, fucking call me. I think instead of I I think instead of Lyria, it's got to be Volga. But I would I I can I can concede that that's a great idea. I just, I just think Fa has a lot more. I mean, obviously that ending was was a joke, but like I feel like the yeah, like, right, like Fa right. has, has it's a very lot Night Kingy more. of you, but <laughs> no, I think Fa's gonna come back, and I feel like Fa's gonna pull from the um not Ashlord, but the uh, Fear Knight. And I feel like he's gonna also pull from like the society as like a whole. Yeah, I feel I feel like he's gonna get too big for his britches. He's like, this is gonna be the second revolt. We're gonna, we're gonna fucking like, I now lead all Obsidian, not just like the he- the Heatlanders, not just like 
you know, the people that moved to the cities. Like, I own all obsidians from the sun to the Kiper, Kiper belt and then all the way out to Pluto. Because that's what my Steffi- trouble here is always is always the time, right? Like, with, with everything that I think about, right? Like, there's 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 a year between each and every Red Rising book. There is two weeks between Iron Gold and Dark Age. How we know that, like, the Republic has lost Earth. We know that, like, there, there's so little time for so much of this to happen unless they give Mars, like, a year to fortify. Like, the the idea of, like, farming out Volga for Spawn doesn't make any sense. I mean, it, okay, it can if it's just pure subjugation. We're giving Volga no legitimacy as a as a person like it could definitely make sense she and then could be saved by lyria that that actually does make sense like it can it I can mean, be a thing i just think that, that will also undermine her as a character um too heavily golden sun to morning star is a year right correct every other book is a year until you hit the sequel su- series okay. and then it's been two weeks between books like it was only two weeks between it's only, it's only one there's only one gap there you can't call that a fine but a if pattern yeah <laughs> it could be a pattern there's also only one gap between like you didn't know the gap between golden sun and morning star like if we still have to make a prediction like Bruh, you, the, this, this sixth book no has supposed to come out three times now and we're all yeah. here for it we're all we're all dude i think he's at He's done. This is it. This is the end of the series. There's <laughs> not going to be a six book. Wouldn't it be Dude. great if you ended without putting out Return of the Jedi? No Ewoks, no nothing. No Askamani <laughs> and no... I saw the pain in fall. your eyes when I said that. <laughs> I saw you like mine. just yours. sink yours. a little bit. <laughs> I'm, no, very I... dedica- I'm, I'm very dedicated <laughs> to this series. Okay, like, I, I need shit to get done. I need shit to be finished. My yeah. own fucking mental fucking stability. <laughs> couldn't couldn't agree th- more for a number. Do you of think reasons, he does but... another series after this? Like, do do you think we continue on with like Pax? No, he's gone on record to say that he doesn't want to do nothing about Red Rising after the series ends. But okay. that was like probably like four or five years ago, and there's been a lot of pressure to hear about like prequels. And not just like, you know, the comics and stuff, but like he he really wants to get down on um what's the fucking guy's the name? The conquering. Yeah. The Merriweather. Um John Wyrm with his fucking like I guess like he goes into psychosis and he fucking like leads like mechs into Dude, I'm like, man, like you wanna talk about <laughs> yeah. Gundams and some fucking like like throat to throat combat? You wanna talk about how like fucking the the Indian king got his head cut off on yep. the same fucking rug that sits in Nero's office? Like, yep, I am. I, like, I need a fucking encyclopedia. Like, I need a fucking like reference book. <laughs> I need. I I need to know about all this because it is magical. It is. Mm-hmm. It is insane how much he's built. I think that he recently went on. He recently tweeted something like, "This won't be the end." Um, to someone's response of like the the sixth book or something like that. So I, I think that he has plans maybe to continue. And my hope would be, I, I would I would stress this. My hope would be that it's not a an additional trilogy. I really appreciate the way. I don't know if you've read um, Logan the uh, the first law books. Mm-hmm. The way that by Joe Abercrombie, we're going to cover them in roughly eight months, maybe depending on when when the Red Rising six comes out. Hopefully, it's out next summer. But regardless, if it isn't, we'll we'll cover first law instead. But 
before starting his second trilogy within the same universe, he wrote a bunch of like interstitial standalone novels that kind of like filled everything out for he released four standalone novels that kind of like filled out the universe and then he went into his second series and so i think that in a lot of ways that is kind of what before and again can't can't fault for the incredible work that's been done here to like tie together the universe but to like give us like a low luna perspective he could have given Ephraim an entire book you know he could have he could have done all these individual things i'm not saying that he should have or that like anything dude all of them got their own books like we were really talking about like yeah all and like you're going further too where like daxo could have his own book like like uh quicksilver could have his own book like dude his no again again like it, it it's just so wide so wide spanning and so that's why i appreciated joe abercrombie's sort of stretch to like believe in some of these minor characters and give them their time in the sun in some solo books after the fact um or you know after the fact is kind of like prequels before they die or pass away or whatever happens and then also some that like live after moments and they get their own like kind of post story um it, it was just great and i i think that the standalones actually are almost better than the original trilogy which is insane and i would yeah. hope that pierce brown would consider options like that and obviously he has because of the sons of various prequels so we'll we'll see i mean between us like dude he could honestly like ride red rising train for ever because the world building and the universe building is so deep and so in depth that you could never run out of material you could do you could do yeah. stuff from the conquering to i mean the first boy. rim rebellion like dude yeah. and i mean you're talking about 700 years of just like stuff and things i i mean and, and like you said like the first moon rebellion like Dude, you could literally deep dive into like what and even the little fu- and I feel like he's really good about leaving droplets and like leaving um what do you call it? like like uh foot- footprints in the sand where just like how the Battle of Elysium turned into this big thing two books later. Where it's like he's dropped yeah. stuff where who knows what happened with like the Conqueror? Who knows like who were the other ten people they pulled out of fucking deep grave? Who knows what um Mm -hmm. apollonius was doing like i i want i want a novel about apollonius like inserting himself into darrow's house and their fucking battle you know like like what 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 was right what was the ash lord about like what was when he glassed um raya raya like what was the build-up to that what like like octavia was still alive obviously she she knows all about that shit why did octavia cut off fucking her daddy's head you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, the, the world building, the expansions, like the DLCs, basically, are immense. <laughs> immense. That you can get in this I world. Mean, he he could even go back four or five hundred years and have an epic story that has no actual consequences. Consequences yeah. at all. Like nothing that actually actually means anything to the Red Rising series, but it's still in universe. Like he could do something like that very easily i feel like you could literally have a standalone ephraim story but five hundred years ago i want i want a standalone ephraim story so bad i like actually i am so in every subsequent reread i just like grow an affection and like love for ephraim because he has this kind of like dark mulling perspective it's it's just it's so tragic 
the way that he had to die. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if a story expanding on him would do anything for him, though. It's fair. I don't know if it, I think it, it feels like it, it would just kind of be. It would have to be before Trig. I think that's where you would like slot it in a story. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. So I definitely was like everyone else. Were like I hated Ephraim for a very long time, until like yeah. a, like a couple like rereads and like a couple like re like re listens. I was just like, oh, like he was. He was deep into like he was he was hurting a lot. I, I, I liked him from the get go. Like I was I was a weird, weird really? person where like I immediately was like Ephraim is my new character. Like I Lyria is like, OK, fine. Lysander is like. Skeptical. <laughs> and Ephraim, I was like, you're funny, you're depressed and you clearly have problems. Let's talk like let's hang out. One of my big scraps with you guys is. Ooh, scrap. Ooh, scrap. Let's, let's hear this shit. Fucking so, y'all. Y'all worried about Lysander being too old for Sarah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Seraphina? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Were we worried? I, I was I was gonna build this into like my, my Lysander yeah. defense, but I'm pretty sure it already did pretty well. Those are my guys' reactions. So <laughs> you you did you it was a it was a good you, you it was a good conversation. Good Dude, yeah. you get me passionate, you get me going, I I will I will sell salt to a slug, I swear to fucking god. <laughs> so Continue. Morning Star. Yeah. Morning Star, right? When yep. Dara, my favorite chapter, when he basically like decimates the Rim Lords because Dara's yep. technically evil deep down and Lysander's yep. good. But like going back <laughs> it, verbatim verbatim, Darrow says that Seraphina's eight years old or older. Fast I thought it was six. Ten, no, you are wrong, because I listened to it right okay. before this podcast. I, I will literally. I will concede. Dude, oh, I perfectly no, concede. I believe you. No, I believe you. That no puts her at eighteen. Like, fine, dude. Dude, when we started talking Maybe. about this like four weeks, I was like, I know the quote. I need to find because I have it in my head and I know where the fuck it is. I just can't take it down. Uh, and I love the facts to see the days that are inconsistent and push forward into like the next level. And so Serafina is eighteen. Lysander's only just turned 20. So they're in legal bounds yep. by Earth right now. But then it doesn't even matter because she gets fucking cut in half. <laughs> well, I mean, at least it makes it makes Lysander less of a predator until like it makes it makes some sense of of Lysander's um, issues until kind of the combination of like Oedipus and Eucosta complex come into play against him like. Yeah, you sure, know, totally, like, all that. Right, right, yep, yep. It's like, until he wants to fuck his aunt, like, it's it's all good. Yeah, but, you're probably right. But but I wanted even, to bring that up, but I could not remember the quote, <laughs> and I couldn't find it against PJ, so thank you. I appreciate it deeply. PJ is ignoring us, god damn it. No, but... No, but I guess so, especially <laughs> like, with, like... <laughs> he grabbed the book. He's like, do you, do where you remember <laughs> where where that is? Hold on, in hold on. Morningstar, like I, what what chunk <laughs> specifically? I feel like it's towards the end of the book. Forty one, forty one. Hold on, let, let me go get my book. Chapter forty one. No, it's on forty one. Page forty one. No, Imagining it's no, it can't be. Yeah, no. Because I really want to read this out loud and prove myself wrong. It's as though it was at but, like your bedside table, like it's a the Bible, Moon Lord. You just had the to like, go run and grab. 
Who? PJ or me? You. Uh, I mean, I, mean, I, uh, I, got, post, I got posties. Yeah. I I had to pull out all my posties recently, um, out of my like copies that I keep on the shelf. I actually have two of each, uh, but I've got a marked really? up copy and like a clean copy, yeah, of each. Where'd you Where'd you meet um, Holler One at? I haven't. It was it. So these were actually gifts from uh, my parents oh, oh. and uh, Kyle, who was our guest on the on the third episode after. I bought him the entire series, and it was like on Morningstar. He was our guest, and he was like, "Fuck yeah!" And talked about the whole series. Yeah, PJ. All right, page three eighteen. It's three seventeen. In three eighteen, in the all right, three seventeen. Let me let me read what you're saying. Three seventeen. Do you want to read it? Oh fuck! Six year old. Oh shit! Oh, sh- it's different. Oh shit! It is different in the book from the audiobook. Really? Okay, because it says she's a six-year-old here. I you can you can literally. I will, <laughs> oh my! I feel like a pedophile now. <laughs> I think no, that's like the legit, point. It says. It says. Yeah. 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 It says six-year-old. I don't usually admit this a lot at the time, but like I am wrong. Oh my god, you guys were right the whole time. Fuck Lysander, this is awful. <laughs> I rebuke everything. To catch a predator. <laughs> oh my god. So the to him. catch a predator campaign stands. Oh my god. <laughs> but... <laughs> Pierce, what are you PJ doing, is, bro? PJ is literally dying on camera. No one can see it or hear it. Oh no, it I, I'm putting my book so back on the bookshelf. Sorry. It sounded like you were like bent over laughing, so I'm going to take no, it as I, you I, were doing that. My bookshelf's yeah. to the right. If I send you, I if you, if I send you guys like a, like a recording of the, the audiobook, will you at least? We it? we both have the audiobook. Yeah, if you if you I'll have to listen is. to it. But honestly, yeah, I, fl- I believe you for the most part because there are enough. There are a couple of like inconsistencies. There are a handful of times where Severo is called Servo. Like there's there's some shit, and you would hope again, given that like <laughs> I'll take TGR's gospel. I'm fine with that. Personally, statutory rape, sir. <laughs> I agreed. That's I where we were I at with the whole thing. <laughs> that's where PJ was at. And I was oh like, I can't recall, don't remember. But again, if I'm proven correct, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll run away with it. La- Dude, but. the last four months of your guys' podcast is a lot in my mind right now. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> oh like there have been a couple of different moments of where um, we've had some interesting comments that have came back where that have been like super hard Mandela effects, like pointing to Mars or pointing for Mars has been a recent thing where it's like, is it four or two? And I'm like, well, it's it's pointing to Mars at the end of Dark Age, but for Mars at the end of it's uh the Reaper. The Reaper is leaving or the Reaper is sailing to Mars is yep. the quote but everybody yeah the re, the reaper is sailing to mars is the quote but everybody thinks is the reaper is sailing for mars but yeah, then in addition all, at the end of dark age there's the other all, which is like pointing little, towards it's all little shit she is 16 in this book that changes yeah. everything <laughs> she pj brought that up and was like shit i think you're right but i like there's so much <laughs> counter evidence like she is between 16 and 18 and i could not tell you the answer to God that. God bless you, PJ. No, she for is six it, years like, old. So calm and collected. In Morningstar. Oh my fucking god! Like I am shook. <laughs> yeah, I am sh- fucking shook. It's um, it's pretty crazy. I didn't. I didn't mean to call you out there and like grab the book and start searching through it, but I'm like, I know, I know she's six. 
there. But you, you know what it would have been even worse if I had fucking gone to it and been like, oh yeah, she's like eight. Oh, oh fuck. Oh, oh. oh. oh Not only am I oh. a racist and a eugenics, I am a... <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <Right. laughs> totally ignores the, the age gap there. That's also a problem. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. So I would I would throw in a couple of things that we haven't really talked about about Dark Age. So one of the things that I think gets skipped over a lot in the conversation about Dark Age is the initial Battle of the Ladon. Like the the first part of the book, because it's so far away from all of the other emotional damage that happens, is skipped over often when we talk about this thing. So I kind of want to I want to take a moment and like reflect on the Ladon and the battle for Mercury. the yeah. Deep in the lawn, or, or when they stole um, Orion. I'm I'm thinking about the recovery of Orion into the storm gods, into the kind oh. of conflict that really happens on Mercury. Yeah, man. I mean, that's where. Not that I think like Darrow ever disconnect himself. Like honestly, like through like Iron Gold, like you really see like Darrow trying to be like that guy, right? Because like his his stick straight into the goal is to finish the war, get shit done so he can come back home and really just like raise a family and be that person. Like, and I really feel like every moment and every second that he's so far away from home and he's going far away is like, um, another minute and another second away from being like Daryl and turning more and more into the Reaper. And I think, like, when he first lands, like, the, when he first gets down to Mercury, like, he has no Severo, he has no Ragnar, he has no, um, basically anybody. And then it turns into, like, basically, like, a, a nuclear holocaust on top of everything else. And it's just such a scramble to, like, find yourself. Like, the first half, like, the first quarter of that book is so intense and so enveloping that it almost, like, catches you off guard when he when it turns into, like, Mustangs and like Lyrias and like Ephraim's chapters. You know what I mean? Like like hearing from Lysander and hearing from Darrow about like the real like nitty-gritty, like the real like deep part of the war is so much more enveloping and just so much more intense than what you get from I mean in the beginning of the book, but what you get from like Lyria and you get from like Mustang, because that's like how Lysander is like thrown into the mix and then like how basically Daryl gets thrown into the mix are like two sides of the same coin because they're both out for, for not a vengeance, but like they're both out for a goal to get completed. Their cause. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I mean like you see where they're both coming from and you really see how people and especially someone who's trying to hold on to kind of like the systematic way things are going and make sure shit's like in between. And then you also see someone who's trying to like develop something more and trying to push that, that, that boat into like the future and give everyone an equal challenge. Let let everyone try to like get after what they're they're trying to get after. And I mean, and it just pulls a lot of people in a lot of different like directions. And that's why you get the stories from like Ephraim and you get the stories from like Lyria. And that's honestly what, what was like one of my favorite parts about leaving you know, the original trilogy behind, not not that we ever left it behind, but like leaving the trilogy and then like turning into like a saga 
And that's what I said. Like, like the, the world building and like the, the expansion and like the reaching and like learning about Ephraim and, and Volga and learning about Lyria. Like it's it's such a funny man, like we'll see how Dune turns out tomorrow. But like I mean, if if, if you could really dig deep and turn this into like the movie that it deserved, it could be very expansive and like it, it could it could really be something. Yeah. I so part part of me, of course, is like I I totally agree with you. I, I I want to see what this would look like, like the visualization of the battle for Mercury and then subsequently the Ladon are are two massive moments inside of the series. And I I, I think that part of the reason that I love this first hundred fifty pages of the Dark Dark Age so much more than I love other science fiction like high level combat is like this is a grounded perspective it is a military tribunal effort it is a crazy sequence of events that is just like it it tears at you in a deep way and i i love the way that it's portrayed between these two perspectives it's only the two of them they're battling back and forth and we, we kind of see two different sides of the same coin and like the the moment that darrow lands or flies into the the um the dock basically and then like reloads the team and is like let's go out we're gonna go fight this is the reload speech this is where we're gonna go like this is in my head the bill pullman speech from independence day where he's like we're gonna go (laughs) fucking do this and he pulls it out of his ass and he's like i wasn't ready to give this but i'm giving it now because i have to for the the troops or else we're not gonna do it all the draken yagers fly out and all this shit like this is the moment where the series becomes a sci-fi legend to me yeah, like this man. is this is the moment where it totally changes like iron reigns are crazy they're they're innovative they're new they're they're incredible like it's it's a it's a different take on an odst drop like it is a far more dramatic take on the idea of an or- orbital drop but the draken yagers just make like warhammer 40k shit like that that childish mm. thing in me alive like i Oh, the battle of it doesn't get enough appreciation. Part one of this book does not get enough love. Like this is I, so good. And I and I feel like sometimes when we read books like this and we read like like I guess I would call it like an epic, like a safe like a space opera. And yeah. we kind of like lose the scope of things when we're trying to like read through it, we're trying to listen to it, we're just like like you know, like we're just going through the motions, but like when you go back and re-listen to it or you reread it, like they're talking about like like kilometers of like like square mileage they're talking about things massive that are like space eight, yeah they're talking about like things that are 18 20 25 feet like tall they're talking about like torch ships and and uh just like ships in general that are, are that are eight miles long you know like like i remember when you guys were going through like one of the parts of of the stories and you guys try to google how many meters something was or anything. And the, the last person that asked it was someone that was like literally referencing like the red rising books. Yep. Yep. Right. And so we were and talking so about like, Phobos, I think at the time, yeah. which is where justice for Phobos sprang up from me. But yeah, but it's like, you think about these things, like there's like millions and millions and mm-hmm. it'll catch you at really random times. Like even today when I was listening to, um, Lysander take Heliopolis and, and, and Darrow at one point like turned to say something and, and there was hundreds of people that turned to him. In my mind, there's like like 12. But if you like re-listen to it, like it, <laughs> right. it, 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 there's like hundreds it's of thousands of people. It's a crowd. Yeah. Yeah, man. And like when you're talking about, you know, the 
like like the soldiers landing in Ladon in front of like Lysander. It, it's thousands and thousands of people. The, these battles are going on like scales of 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 light years and miles and kilometers across like the expanse. Like we're talking about like 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 owning planets. And so like when we talk about something like you know Red Rising or or, or even like Doom or um, like Game of Thrones, like you got to think about like the expanse like you gotta think about all these things that like come into play and how massive this shit is it it totally made sense it is a scale that isn't often explored truly even with like dune and stuff like i haven't i haven't read any reviews i haven't looked at any spoilers like i'm gonna go see it tomorrow night yep in ibex just just to fucking see it and then I'll watch it again on fucking HBO Max, and I will fuck it. This is an ad, but <laughs> I will just fucking watch it over again. So I want to see it. So I want to, dude, I want to see it. And like, dude, that that raised by bullshit. The only reason I watched it was because Ridley Scott was a director, and Ridley Scott fucking directed Alien. Yep. I fucking like, dude. All I, my favorite shit ever, forever. Dude, Alien will for like I have like Alien tattoos. Like I will forever be a hardcore fan of like Alien. You know, and so like when I heard he was directing, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like it's worth like the watch, and like PJ, like dude, you just gotta work through it. You just gotta fucking you know put a little lube in it, and, like spit on it a little bit, and dude, just make it through it. And you'll be you'll be there. <laughs> you can do it, bro. You made it through the first dude. You made it through the first Red Rising book. You can make it through two. That's episodes that's a good fucking, fucking point. A fucking. It's that's a good time point. commitment to make it through the first 150 pages. Yeah, Re- right. revisiting it though. Really, like, really, it's just the, it's, it's just the first 50 pages. Yeah, like it's right. just the first section. That's very but, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I need to give it a, a more fair shake. <laughs> I'm just saying the first episode did not grip me. I I just real quickly want to mention. I'm glad that you appreciate Team No Hype. Like Team No Hype is a, is a, it's a big deal. Like it it affects the way that like you approach things, and it makes a huge difference. Really fucking hard. And I was I like mean, on the opposite side hard. of it is very difficult. It's hard, no doubt. I was on. It's, I was it's like the reason the- I quit Reddit right away. Like Cold Turkey. I saw anything that spoiled anything. I'm like fuck this. I'm out. Dude, unless you're in, like, so, unless you know how to like circumvent and like migrate Reddit, it'll be the fucking NDO. Because like, yeah, I I had like the opposite where like I was one of, the, I mean, who knows? But like, I thought I was like one of the first ones to end, um, Dark Age because I got it on its release. So I got it. At, so with like Comic Con and stuff and like meeting him, you got a ticket and you were able to buy the book the day before it was released. And dude, I stayed up to like fucking like. We had to be there at 7 a.m. Like I stayed up till 4 a.m. I pissed through the epilogue. I pissed through the first like five fucking chapters. And like when I finally met Pierce Brown, he um he he was like, "How far have you made it?" I'm just like, "I'm through the epilogue. I'm like trying to work on it and stuff." He's like, "Well, how'd you feel about uh, Orion's hand?" And I was like, "Some fucked up shit, man." And like we hugged and like we walked away. <laughs> like, it was just like, dude, like I like I'm like Ben, where like I pi- I piss through books, man. Like if if I fucking like. So when I did, when I started watching Raised by Wolves, I mean, I pissed through all that like in like three nights. 
because like like dude like i just i want to know yeah. i want to fucking like for me for tim our one of our, our web guys um and my co-host of speculative knowledge uh we watched it weekly so we were we were talking to each other only like it was just the two of us we refused to acknowledge any other like red threads or like the internet because we believe that like people's kind of like co-hype can be so ridiculous so we like just experienced each other's theories and like my girlfriend at the time series so like we it was it was the three of us in a thread kind of like tried to work out our thoughts at that point and i i just i think the more that this is a strange opinion but the more that you expose your opinions to others like your your ideas or your predictions to others the the more it it, it just becomes tainted and it becomes because there are just so many possibilities and like your brain goes in a number of ways and doesn't commit to anything. And so like you don't feel an extreme reaction one way or another. I don't know. I don't know. 100%. Perfect example. I watched Arrival for the first time probably like three nights ago. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my okay. God. Per, per, so perfect example. I have a long standing phobia of aliens. I saw um, signs when I was like probably like nine or 10 or something. And, and, and it, fucking traumatized me like a motherfucker like i don't know how to explain it but i i like i just fucking hate aliens so i put it off and didn't really think about it and then the other night my wife went to bed like super early because she didn't feel well and like she, and i was just like it's, it's been in my list for like literally like three years and it, and like i know about it and i follow like a lot of um like cinema pages and a lot like i i really appreciate like like movies and like how they're built and how they, they go about themselves and so, like, a lot of people have been talking about, like, Arrival lately because Homeboy is the one that's directing Dune, which is coming out soon. Dennis so Villeneuve, like, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, so the, and so I was like, fuck, dude, I guess I should, like, kind of, like, because Arrival to me was like, oh, what, they talk to aliens? Like, it's like another, like, contact, right? And so I finally fucking sat down and watched it the other night, man. I cried for fucking 12 minutes. I, like, I looked at the clock and I, and I knew, like, I cried, I, like, not cried, like, bald, like, ugly cried. For 12 minutes, knowing, hashtag spoilers, that her daughter was already dead before the movie even fucking started. And I was, yeah. and I was just like, yeah, I was like, fuck, dude. Like, I've, I've wasted God. five, like, seven years of my life. I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> like, I, like, I was like, oh. two, two, like, additional questions, given we're, we're deep into the, like, the kind of sci fi conversation. Um, <laughs> blade runner 2049 loved it watched it wanting to fucking hate it but but went into went into it being like blade runner can blade runner can never be fucking touched blade runner like harrison ford's a fucking god like the replicants like the way it was shot the like the old school la because i know a lot of people talk i know a lot of people talk shit talk shit about uh ryan gosling because he's too pretty and he's done like a lot of that bullshit and stuff but like motherfucker won oscar for a fucking reason like they don't hand them out like motherfucking like like tokens you know like he won an oscar for a goddamn reason i love driver i love across the or through the pines or where the fuck it was like something like that yeah something like that through the pines yeah yeah but i have the same love and affection that i have controversial uh take but the same reason why i think robert pattinson is gonna be a great fucking batman at the same time, I feel like we're excluding PJ because PJ is so removed. This is not a PJ problem, but PJ 
is so hyper focused on three things <laughs> yeah. right now. So like I I I feel bad because like PJ gets to focus on three things, four things ish. He gets to focus on his dogs first and foremost, his girlfriend second, school third, work fourth, podcast fifth. So that's a that's a pretty accurate dude. I, yeah, dude. I'm PJ. I'm sorry for like car, like carving you out of this man. No, yeah, no, didn't that, didn't mean to. Just it. accidentally yeah, happened. Um, because like Zeph and I are just nerding out over uh, sci-fi <laughs> things that you have maybe seen or maybe haven't seen. Um, Bro, if you want to talk about anime, we can get fucking yeah, hella weird. I I need to get more into anime. Uh, my my soon to be brother-in-law is really into anime. I'd like to get more into that. I want to talk about villains. I want to talk about those those people of whom Pierce writes so vile and so eloquently and they whisper in her ears. I, I want to think about those people. I want to think about Atlas. I want to think about Ajax. I want to think about Apollonius. They all start with A's. Uh, Atalantia. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that, by the way, as a trend? But, you know, I want to think about villains. Let's talk about villains. PJ, who do you think the worst villain is who, hmm. who do you th- who do you think is the most vile and the most man that's a good question who, i mean who do you think who do you think is the big baddie i'll give you one more like who who do you think who do you think is the big baddie who do you think is pulling all the final strings do you think it's a bom- how do they pronounce it abominadrius mm, no no i i think it if anybody, it has to be either Atalantia or Fa. But Fa is a instrument of Atlas. We don't know right? that though. He's presented I mean, as such. No, we we that's how nine. he that he that's how he's presented. We don't know that that's entirely true, right? disagree factually like he is okay. presented as like a direct appendage of fear knight and especially like when xenophon like introduces him and ephraim makes the comments about how he's been trained in the dub the double cusp re like rebar or whatever that like the, the speaking is and the fact that he like he's even more valuable a weapon to the fear knight without ever having to do anything other than speak to all the obsidians Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, yeah. Because because when Xenophon gets the piece, gets the like holocron, the the holocube, the the chinga, the thing, and and he he's like, it's it's the first it's the first uh, what does he say? It's the first direction that I I've turned down in my entire livelihood. You know, mm-hmm. and mm. the Fear Knight talks about how he has his his, his pawn in place, and then Ephron, Ep- Ephraim, even on the verse side, talks about how he has a double entendres, how he pulls people in, how he knows who he is and how to present himself to the Obsidian tribes, and then you know, put I mean, put Sefi in the ground, the snow, in the brick. Down, put Sefi down in a bad way, dude. When I read that, I was sitting on a Chicago train going to work at seven o'clock in the morning, and I know people were like, "I think he's having a heart attack," because I, dude, that that shit just like, 
<sighs> yeah. You know how many times? Because I, dude, I had gotten it like fresh. Like I, like I had like gotten it the day before it came out, and then I brought it back from San Diego to Chicago, and I pissed that thing. I, like I think I finished the book in like probably like four and a half days, like five days, because I was just like, dude, every moment I had to like read into it, and dude, the second half of the book, I'm sure there's people on the L, the Chicago train, that th- like wanted to like call the cops. Cause I was fucking slamming <laughs> shit. I was fucking like dropping the book. I was like, God fucking dude. I would just shove it in my backpack and I would <laughs> so just like angry. go to yeah. work all pissed. Like it, it was, mm. it's a, it's an intense book, but I think at the end of the day, I, I think Va is going to play a bigger picture than any of us already like realize. I, I, I mean, I talked about, not thinking that Volga will be a point of view. But God, do I want Fa to be a point of view. <laughs> it's never going to happen. What? I mean, how cool dude, would that be, though? How fucking cool would that be? I will pay for the anime <laughs> series. I, I'm going to pay for the anime, anime series. Okay. <laughs> I, I, right. I want to see, see the last 70 years because he, he talks about like the three lives he's lived. And like I really like villains, obviously, but I want to know because there's so many there's so many irons in the like in the fire now, right? There's so many different people reaching for so many different things. You have Apollonius, you have Lysander, you have Analantia, you have Darrow, you have Mustang, and everyone's on a different frequency. We don't know where um, Severo is. We don't really know where Pax and Lyria are going. We kind of have an idea, but we have no fucking clue what that leads into. So, so do we take a, a twist into the Matrix, or do we t- take a twist back into like you know Game of Thrones? You know, like like dude, the way Pierce left these books open to be interpreted, and especially now because we've had so much time to sit on podcasts and sit in you know back and back corners. Like, dude, we as a fan base and as a fandom, we read so much into the, the stupidest shit. And we look at it so so deep where anything, dude, anything's possible. And you know, and I mean, you know, Pierce doesn't care about killing off characters. I, I like, and I still stand by the, the fact that like, dude, we're going to end the book and Daryl's going to be dead. And he like, dude, he's going to wake up and he's going to be in the veil and he's going to walk along grain, just like in the gladiator. And he's going to meet Ragnar and he's going to meet EO and Ragnar's going to be like finished up, finishing up houses and stuff. Like, Dude, like, it's it's a ticking time bomb. Like when this book finally comes out, we all start finishing it. That's a it, that's a weird question to bring up. Actually, I think after it's a after, great place after to life end question, this. right? Like, this is a great last question. It's yeah, where it's do a we great go? Way to wrap it up. No, my my question goes into a weird place that probably isn't a good end at Real all. Quick though, so, do you think Lysander about his shit, or do you think Lysander's full of shit? Oh, I I completely respect Lysander as a character entirely. And I, I have. I think the path that he's taking is one of poison, but I don't think it's different than the path that he was on before. He just has an entirely different perspective on it. And that perspective is one of subjugation and slavery. So I, I think he is on the same path as he was before, 
but the way he looks at it is entirely different and not in a good way. Hmm. That's where I'm at with Lysander right now. Right now. The the thing that I would add, like just maybe to like put the pin for the episode for the most part in is um where do we think Darrow ends at the end of the next book? Where where is the end of Darrow's path? Darrow, the Reaper, etc. Wait, how do we how do we think about this? <laughs> do, like do we get a second? <laughs> like, like... <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Darrow needs to die for the dream to live, just like EO did. Just for like he needs is always been the hero, but I think he also needs to be the martyr who at a certain point stands down because he understands that the dream of society is more important than the dream of the warlord. And I think that he needs to make that choice. I think that he needs to make that decision. And I think that needs to be an active thing. And so I think that Darrow, unfortunately, needs to choose to be the martyr. And I think that ultimately, maybe, again, I don't think this is the best way to think about this or write this, but maybe Darrow is beheaded by Lysander, and Lysander is defeated by fucking Thraxa, fucking Rona, fucking anyone else. Like, there there are a number of people who can come for his throat, but I, I, I think that ultimately Darrow needs to die for the cause to be the predominant martyr of the future of the Republic. I think that would be enough to unite other people, and you just need to, like, pick the the sort of inheritor of the crown. So, that's my, my thoughts. Hmm. I think you're mispronouncing Messiah. I mean, I, effectively. Because I, I I, just don't know. I mean, because Pierce leaves it so, like, open to, like, like thought and, like, development and stuff. Like, like where, where's him, Cassius, and, like, a, a 132nd of the Howlers? Are, where are they going? Like, where are they, they can't go back to the fucking, they can't go back to Mars. They can't go back to Luna. Can't stay on Mercury. Like, like, what's the like, what's the next big step? I'm also right. curious. I'm also super curious where Apollon- Apollonius and Lysander's relationship comes into like it, fruition like, play anything. Yeah. Like, what are those two motherfuckers gonna do? Like, like, dude, that is a that is a savage. fair point, dude. When when I called in to Howler Pod, that was a thing. Like, I asked, I was like, "Fuck, dude!" Like, like Daryl really gave up a very valuable ally. And you could have really persuaded him and turned him into like the weapon and like the tool you needed, but instead, you want to act brand new. You want you want to get like your, your, your feelings hurt, and you want to like push him off to the side, even though in the long run he could really help you. Like this is Apollon, like Apollonius, like yeah, this motherfucker built for war. I sum up the, I sum up the books with Ap- Apollonius like killing everybody. Right <laughs> Not far off. R.I.P. Tactus. Hmm. Do you do you think Daryl makes it out of book six? I think he does, and I think it's a lot more Ooh. limited, though. Spicy mm-hmm. take. So I, I think Darrow becomes more of a an intermediary point of view that hmm. gets to see what's happening on the outside looking in. I don't think he's going to be super like in the shit. As he has been. So I think we're going to see point of views that talk about specifics in battles and specifics and things that are going on. And we're going to 
see Darrow's point of view as very meaningful interactions between him and Pax, meaningful interactions between him and Virginia, and then just kind of external point of view commentaries on what's happening in the war in the far off distant I mean, that's the dream. Planets. That's really. <laughs> we'll hope for that. We, we, we wish yeah, for that. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're so optimistic it, that it, that's going to happen. Because I, it's what we wish for. But, but also, I don't think we can get that much more out of Darrow right now. I don't think we get any more development from him as a character. And I think it'd only be devolving well, if we were to stay in him. If we were to keep him as a point of view going forward, we would only see a devolving sense of we we get a lot more out of the Reaper though. We we'd we'd see a devolution of his view on war and his view on his people and those who follow him, and I think it's it's much more interesting from a reader's point of view and much more reasonable from somebody inside the story to not really linger on that sort of in between with him. I think we need to see him either in the height of his glory or in the depths of his despair or completely outside of war. The the in between isn't that interesting, and in this scenario, the in between really doesn't mean anything at all. I, I mean, the fucking man makes god. I I mean, I I. The man makes the fucking point, dude. Damn. Yep. Yep. So uh, again, <laughs> uh, super damn, glad yeah. to. <laughs> Go ahead, Zeph. What what were you gonna say? No, man. I mean, that makes a lot more sense than what I was saying. So, to to, uh, to PJ's point, cheers to anyone who's listening. Cheers to to the three of us who are, who are still talking. You guys aren't gonna fucking comment on like my five minute diatribe. No, I mean, I, I think that part part of what's part of what you did is like you also have, like voice thoughts that we've had over time. Like the, these are we've had enough time with these characters. Like we've we've thought about it enough, and like you put it into eloquent words, and we don't need to like clap back like you've i really i mean i really feel like after that explanation though like we reopened in book six and like taking like from like a a broader span of things like think about like as like a whole i mean it'd be nice to see darrow but there's so many more points of view that we can expand upon opportunities that exist yeah yeah exactly right like darrow as an interstitial seems more likely than anything I, I would I'd almost hope so to some degree. Like you, you'd almost wish that Darrow would take like the back seat to a lot of the rest of the story, and like this would be a story about everyone else, like being able to take up the reins. That that's and, about like the decade of rebellion and like the success of of society, like everyone else coming up and being like, "We can take over for you, dude. You can you can rest, you can relax." I think that applies to Dark Age too. And and this come this comes to our it, it it comes to our 
our way of dissecting Darrow into the Reaper and 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 Darrow of Lycos. Sure. This if we are looking at this from the perspective of Darrow of Lycos, he is on the outside looking in the entirety of Dark Age. Right. He is not at yeah. the forefront almost ever. And that's why Dark Age is better than Cold Sun. Or uh Iron Gold. I, I want I want to see like Super Saiyan 3 Darrow in whatever the fuck this See, I, I don't want to see Super Saiyan three. I want to see like, I, I, dude, I like I classically. Dude, I, want, I classically want to see like I want. I want to see like I want but, fucking War God Darrow. I I want. I want. Dude, I want. Dude, I want this dude like powering up and like leveling cities. Like I, I want the real because you guys know that's what the real Darrow is. It's not Darrow. Darrow's been gone for a long fucking time, man. Yeah, Darrow's been buried. Darrow's been buried yeah. for sure. I don't, and I don't know if it was like the Battle of Ilium. I don't know if it was Eo being hung. I don't know if it was him cutting Cassius's arm off. But like, Darrow is long gone, and we need to accept that. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. now dealing with the Reaper for the rest of whatever else we're going to get done. And that's what Daddy Zeph is here for. That's what I <laughs> want to see. <laughs> Fair enough. As much as I want. As much as I love Lysander, I want to see Lysander's head roll. Correct. So say we all. Thank God. Thank God we all agree on that. Like, dear God, Lysander needs yeah, to fall agreement. here. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, to wrap this all up, any other thoughts? Any Anything else to conclude with, man? I'm all right. I've said my piece. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And it's always a pleasure to come on uh, these type of things and talk about my love for... Uh, Roka my sender. And this has been <laughs> fucking awesome. Headway into book six and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out for sure. Uh, so with that, that's the week. That's the book, man. That's the series. That's fucking everything. Hey folks, cutting in here real quick to just give you a lowdown. This week we've got one of two episodes up and coming it is either going to be a episode talking about Dune with Tim Olson, our producer, or yeah, a special we'll bonus episode with most of Hail Reaper. So look out for one of the two of those episodes and the other one the right week here. following. Um, we are kind of sw- switching up the schedule a little bit because of Dune and some availability things. So we wanted to make sure that we got it all in. So hope to not have to do one of these in a while, but wanted to make sure and corrected for it. And Wonderful. Jesus Christ, did I get drunk at the end here? All good. Talk to you guys soon. That's where I'll leave you for this week. Thank you, as always, to Tim and Andrew for helping keep our show's lights on. Thank you to Zeph, Logan. This wonderful human being who has spent four hours, four with hours. Us oh my god, just been four hours. talking about bullshit and talking about this amazing work of fiction that Pierce Brown has put forward for us and how much depth can come out of it. it. It is truly astonishing, and I could not be happier to have spent four hours discussing it with a more perfect human being than you. Let me know when. You let me know when to come back on. But it's, but it's me. You're talking about me. I'm the perfect human being, right? Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm the I'm one. I'm not talking about you. Oh. You, uh, you are not the perfect human being that I'm talking about. Um, 
Check out the links in the show notes. You can find our schedule, Patreon, previous episodes, our websites, our socials, Zeph's Instagram, all in one convenient location. With that, thank you so much for all of your support. PJ, final thoughts? Man, this has been like a weirdly like bullshit episode. This has been so much fun. We've just kind of giggled along the entire time. It's been awesome. If... If people wanted to contact you or see what you're up to, where would oh, they Oh, yeah, go? yeah, yeah. If you want any barbecue, if you live in Southern California, if um, you want to find me on the street and talk to me about why Lysander sucks and why Lauren was a hypocrite and racist, let me know. I am in Simi Valley, right outside of Los Angeles. You can find me on Instagram, Zeph underscore Hawaiian. And then you can also find us at our website, ZephBarbecue.com and... Yeah. Anything else? Let me know. Sweet. Perfect. Lyra sucks. What? <laughs> what? What did you say? <laughs>